Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. November is here, and Graham McMillan and I trail in its autumnal wake. Join us for a two-and-a-half-hour episode as we talk about Mission Hill, comic creator interviews, then and now, our time together in Portland, trick-or-treating the most uncomfortable way to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, The Fuse, the first 50 issues of Spawn, and some uh, very big news about the future of the podcast. We welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast.gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan, hello. Hello. Jeff, I'm going to blow your mind. Or maybe your mind will be blown, but my mind will be blown. It was literally only a week ago tonight that you were here and we were watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I know, I know. It's, it's just me or does that feel like a year ago? It, at least a year ago. Yeah, it's been, it feels a really long time ago. Um, that, I'm actually kind of happy you said that because I was like, am I just had like a really bad week? Like, why does that feel so long ago? <laughs> no, I, well, I mean, maybe you have. You're I, like, I, you're like, maybe you have that bad week well i mean see that's that what what i was going to say is just very much the fact that um listeners i have had two weeks off on vacation it, that ends and the you, day after tomorrow cared. yeah you've yeah, been like exactly. whatever time is meaningless kinda but in a good way like it's been a really nice time off but so Unlike the kind of weird, like, uh, holy shit, like the week flew by, you know, you know, felt, felt like it dragged on because I was being, you know, dragged down five miles of bad road. It was kind of like, yeah, it's all pretty pleasant. I mean, uh, there, there's barring some minor incidents of self-harm that we'll have to talk about later, but, but yeah, (laughs) knowing that like a week ago, yeah, you and I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 at your place with the uh, delightful Chloe Maviel, and then your dog's uh, dick fell out. <laughs> so, okay, this is not a joke. Uh, Chloe and I were, were talking for the recording, and Chloe was like, are you going to tell everyone about what happened with, with Alfie's dick? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see if Jeff brings it up. And you go <laughs> right there. Of course! Like, Why not... The, the only way to describe it. So Jeff was here last weekend, and it was great. I, I like I I had the time of my fucking life. I really enjoyed it. Um, we went to a bunch of comic stores. We honestly just hung out for a bunch of time. Yeah. Uh, on the Saturday night, um, you, like you came over. We came over for all Saturday. But Saturday night we had dinner, and then um, while the ten year old was still up, we watched Werewolf by Night. Yeah. With, like you, you dug. I think it's fair to yes. say. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and then when the Tanya went to bed, we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, which neither you or I had ever seen before. That's right. Um, and it's fucking wacky. It's a. Yes. It's a. It's a crazy ass film. I. I think I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now thinking about it. If that makes sense. Like at the time, I was just like, "What the fuck is happening in this film?" No. No, this, it was great watching it with you. Yeah, because I'm sort of, you know, Graham, I have to say it. It I know it's not giving you uh, enough credit, but like, you know, for the longest time that we've been doing this podcast, I haven't thought of you as a horror guy. And Chloe is definitely 
a horror guy. Oh, Chloe's guy. definitely horror. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Chloe's so, definitely horror guy. Yeah. So you you have just watched so much more horror over the last few years, but I don't think of it as being your sort of natural element. And honestly, I'm pretty I'm not as hardcore as others. Like my younger brother is way more hardcore. But like I I mean I felt a little Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is uh disturbing and which It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so after it was done, you were kind of like, I feel kind of sick. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm like, I feel like I was kind of like, yeah, I was a little worried about you in a way, but you were sort of <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about no, that. Well, you know. So, so we're all watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and we're all enjoying it to varying yeah. degrees. I think yes, all yes. of us enjoy it to be fair. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the dog is like, being zoomy and exciting running around and like yep. fucking pillows and the dog's been fixed which is like neither here nor there but you know when the dog fucks pillows that basically just means like he air humps right yeah, yeah. and then like he just sort of stops and we realize that for want of a better way of putting it it looks like his dick has fallen out of his body yeah yeah it was like like wow people who have seen dog directions before like there's a reason that like the nickname is like the lipstick right you know yeah. the face of lipsticks out so not wanting to be too graphic imagine the lipstick was instead like a dead animal's tongue <laughs> <laughs> i got to say it really was the thing that the reason why i feel like i have to bring it up is as you mentioned we are watching texas chainsaw massacre 2 and in a way, while you're watching it, uh, I mean, while I was watching it, it kind of got to the part where, like, it just really goes to some intense places. Like, absurdly, but also really kind of fucked up. And yes. you're sort of like, wow. Like, in my, as you're all but thinking, like, boy, it really can't get more uncomfortable than this. And then and, all and of then a sudden... And then you a dog, yeah, who, again... It looked as if something had gone wrong. Like it legitimately yeah. looked as if something had gone yeah, wrong. Yeah, it did not look right um, at all. And yeah. he didn't look. He didn't seem incredibly disturbed. But like he went from being very excitable and running around to like just being still. Yeah. No. Right? And he's there, yeah. and and you know he's just sort of like it's just there, and everyone's like, "This isn't good, right? This is this is bad." Yeah. Like this this is something's gone wrong. Hmm. And mm -hmm. so the decision's made to take him to the vet and you and me are left behind and we're both on our phones basically Googling, like, what the fuck just happened to the dog's penis? Yeah, yeah, no, like, exactly. You know, in, in, with various, because both you and I look at it and, like, come across the same, I can't even remember what the, what the term was, but we come across the same, like, definition, which is basically, like, you know, yeah. if this has happened for, like, more than 20 minutes, it means this. Yeah. And, you know, I hasten to add, it had happened for, like, maybe five minutes before the decision was made to take the dog to the vet, right? Yes, yeah. So it wasn't a long time at all. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, you and I are the ones left behind. <laughs> <laughs> and, we're, and we're like we're both googling and we're both like oh jesus this is this is terrible and we're watching this film where <laughs> you know humans are literally just meat yeah and then this comes the dog and it's just this weird altered state it and really then, was again, maybe like a minute later the dog returns and it's fine yeah and basically what happened was the dog went outside, walked about for a bit, the cold air got to him, and yes. then he swept back in because he just had, like, a raging erection. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know. It was the Raging Erection, and then, yeah, it was, it was, all of it was amazing. Now, uh, it, I, it was terrifying. I mean, it, it genuinely really was. was terrifying. It, I, like, I am so glad that it ended up all's well that ends well. And we so, so, so wait, let me tell you, because that yes. was the last day you were here. Yes, right? that's true. Yeah. So we finished watching the film, and then, then you went back to the hotel, and like, we said, we said goodbye, and you went back to the hotel. I've got to tell you, for like the next 24 hours, I just looked at that dog expecting it to happen again yeah i'm sure i just I'm like sure. every time i saw him i was like oh shit at any moment yeah like dick's gonna follow your body again <laughs> like I, but because so I, was, I like i said i was talking to chloe about this earlier on because because chloe was like are, are you gonna mention it right and chloe goes i just remember looking at him and thinking we cut his balls off how are his balls popped out of his body yeah. like he doesn't have balls anymore what happened right Right. But that that's like I can't emphasize enough what not to to not expect this conversation when you <laughs> play, play the podcast. I can't express enough how much it actually looked like something had gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Cause again, like I've had dogs, you know, all my fucking life. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. never seen something that looked like this. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was it was really impressively wrong. And the thing that I think was kind of interesting, so I, I really do, listeners, Graham and Chloe's dog is just the best. I love uh, Alfie. He, he, lo- he loved you. He loved you a lot. A sweetheart. He Such loved you a lot. He gave you a going away gift as we found out on Monday. <laughs> yeah, right? That was amazing. But yeah, he, he's just... Such a sweetheart and, you know, still kind of just so much puppy energy. And so... Yeah, I, I should say to people who don't know, he's like a year old. He's yeah. literally like like 14 months old at this point. Yeah, so he's still got lots of that. But, um, but like, I think that was the other thing. He, I think because he was aware that you guys were freaking out. Like, by the time I noticed, because I, I was sort of on a different couch, but, like, you guys were already raising the alarm. And he just looked so um, kind of different. Like, I wasn't sure. Like, it was either, like, he's either in pain or he's intensely uncomfortable from basically everybody, like... Freaking out, yeah. Freaking out. Well, that's just that, like, yeah. the people were freaking out, and I think yeah. that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he was like, oh... No, right. everyone's everyone seems really anxious. Yeah, what did I he do just wrong? he just like fucking stopped? Yeah, he totally like did. he just he got he went from running around like a crazy dog, yeah. to like being like just stopping, just being still and sitting down, yeah. and like not moving at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, he was sort of standing there with like his haunches tucked in or something, and of course, then it because it really was. I have to say, there was something where it's not like I've spent a lot of time staring at dog dicks but like it went from being like an erection to almost looking like his intestine had fallen out oh like, no there it, really it, was it genuinely a... did look like this weird body horror thing but again yeah. i'm trying to think of a good way of saying how much of that was actually impacted by the fact that we're literally watching a film but like human totally. beings absolutely Do you know what i mean absolutely. like were we just like already in this weird headspace yeah completely that completely we, turn we see this more like ah something's definitely gone wrong because like yeah. you know we were more than halfway through the film by that point. Yeah. And now yeah. The, like, the flip side of that is also watching the end of that film mm-hmm. was also weirdly elevated oh, because completely. of what had mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, like, we're watching, you know, 
Leatherface, you know, running around underground with his family, and they're all like, you know, they're they're mass producing like cannibal meat and everything, and. And at least for me, I was sort of like very aware of like, okay, but this thing just happened and it was like, like it, it was freaky and it, it made me all agitated. Yes. You know, and, and like that, that was very much in my head. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was quite a, quite a companion event to the movie. It was. So, yeah. It, it was quite an experience, right? It yeah. really genuinely was. And so that was, I was going to say that was a highlight it, it, <laughs> somewhat facetiously. Uh, no, I like I I really like we've talked since you've gone back, but like I really enjoyed your visit. It 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 was really really fun. Yeah, uh, we went to Floating World Comics mm-hmm. and Cosmic Monkey Comics. Yep. Um, and there was an art pop up right there was, next I was to Floating say, there, World. There, yeah, there was an art pop up where Zach Soto was there. Mm-hmm. With Zach. Um, and uh, we did food cart. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Well, we did a couple of food carts because you – what was yours called? Mine was called something incredible like Shawarma Explosion or something like that. Which – and which it which lived it up to the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah it people really was. Like... It, it, it was someone saying – because I was like, can I get the chicken Shawarma? And they were like, yeah, it's the size of your head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, thank God we watched – we you ate that before Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. But it really was. <laughs> it was as large as a body part. And I had a, I had a vegan cheesesteak. From yeah, which the vegan really cheese like. yeah. Really good. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, that's it. Portland, like, food was great. Comics were great. I spent a ton of money at Powell's. Uh, you did it, spend a ton of money at Powell's. What's really funny is, as we record this, um, uh, it's November 5th, it's Saturday, uh, as we're recording. Um, Clay and I were just downtown earlier this this afternoon with um, Julia from John and Quarterly, isn't oh, it? Because really? yeah. Cape Eden is, is here oh, on, on our tour. And Julia's like accompanying Kate on her tour, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had coffee with Julia. And then for people who I'm talking as if everyone knows, Julia Paul Miranda is the publicist at Drawn Quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had we had coffee with Julia, and Julia was like, "I'm going to Powell's afterwards," yeah. and it was just like, "That's right, everyone comes to Portland and goes to Powell's." Yep, it's true. It's true. It's kind of like the Portland Disneyland. It's kind of. Uh, um... You you go and you gotta go and I did and honestly I, I and you got a chunk of stuff you really did I, I really did I really did in fact in fact ironically enough now that I think about it we went to two separate Powells and I made two separate purchases so yeah, you did and on and the other Powells which is the Powells local to us the day before uh, you demonstrated to me that you pay for things with your watch and even though that technology's been around for a while I honestly reacted as if it was magic. Jeff, really Jeff will back me up with this. I really did go, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff just used Apple Watch to pay for things. And I honestly reacted as if, like, it was Star Trek. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was the, the, the planet where they're just wearing, like, loincloths. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a, a fine moment for me. <laughs> it was so good. That was, that really was. That that was like, oh, this this made my day. So, Yeah. No, it was it was absolutely. We had a we had a great time. Um, I uh, also, do you know what the highlight genuinely was for me? What? You playing the ten year olds at Broforce. Oh my <laughs> I, god! I, I tell you that um, I came upstairs to to start the podcast, and Glory's like, "Tell Jeff I." Ten uh, year olds was like, "Tell Jeff I like really insistent." Tell so Jeff hello. Yes. Yeah. 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 I get it. Well, and no, I had that was amazing. Uh, playing Broforce uh, 
with him. He that it, it was. was uh, Why not? I genuinely wish that you could have uh, at least heard the discussion. It was between Jeff and a ten-year-old playing Broforce. Broforce, which is, I mean, I think we've talked about Broforce in this podcast before, right? Yeah, yeah. I hope it's so. it's I a so. it's a video game. It's it's a a, a shoot 'em up scroller, right? Yeah, but yeah. but it's one where all the characters are like figures from movies with their names replaced by bro somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So it's Indiana Bros. Yeah, and Robro Cop or Rambro or you know the. They... Uh, I, I, and the plot basically just seems to be a plot, but the aim just seems to be like you know get to the end of the level and also shoot things. Yes. Yeah. And. There, there's ways to do that, you know, there, there's strategic <laughs> ways, and then there's the 10-year-old's way, which is just, like, shoot everything, blow everything up, and I don't think you were ready. I was not. I was not. I was kind of like, oh, okay, because, you know, it's Broforce. It's not like there, it's like a, you know, a stealth strategy game per se. There are some things that make life a little easier, but you generally just run and shoot, and... So I was like, oh, okay, I think I know what I'm getting in for. And I was not. Like, the 10-year-old took running and shooting to just such an insane... It was just, like, blind berserker. And It was amazing. It was amazing watching, more than anything, your delight slash shock <laughs> at what was happening. Yes. Because it was somewhere between the two, and it was unclear which it was for yeah. the entire time. It it really did vacillate, like because I was like, oh, okay, now we're gonna get to it where it's gonna. Nope, he's still doing it. The other thing that was amazing was, um, how do I put it? It it was a little bit like playing a video game with uh, a trash talking version of Pazuzu, the demon from The Exorcist, like the 10 year olds like ongoing stream of, and it wasn't really trash talking me. It was somewhere between oh, no, it's like tra trash, like the platonic ideal of, yeah, I was going to say platonic ideal of trashing, but it's not because he's actually really shit at trash talking. <laughs> he is though. Like you, you've experienced this now. Like he's actually very bad at it, but he's insistent about it, which is the delight. It, I mean, and that, I think that's it. I think it's, it's one of the things that, that is just, remarkable is yeah he just it's it's all it's like a hundred and ten percent but it was it was crazy like every once in a while i do something he's like wait you could do that how do you do that like i'm like how long have you been playing this game and i really was i was like my god i think he just like he just shoots things That's he it. just That's yeah it. he just holds his finger down on the shooting button and i'm like no each one of these guys has a new special attack he's like there's another special attack i'm like ah uh, i Let it yeah, it, 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 no, it was it was a delight because there really was a moment of of you realizing, oh, all he does is shoot things. It really <laughs> like, was. Like there was there was a point where you visibly realized that. Yeah, completely. I'm sure. I think it did. About, like the twelfth time he shot you. <laughs> god, oh my god! It was just it would just run in and die, and then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, hold on, I'll get another guy. He's like, yeah, 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 revive me, revive me, and then then. I would revive him and he'd be like, yes, I will swallow your soul. And then he runs over and dies a second later. He's like, oh, I'm dead again. Revive me. I was like, wow. Wow. No, no, yeah. it's, it's amazing. I have to tell you, just talking about shit talking. Mm -hmm. um, 
I have to tell you the highlight of um, the 10 year olds or my experience of the 10 year olds trick or treating this year. <laughs> okay. You know, we, I, I realized, sorry, before you do that, I have to say, I realized cause I saw you guys like, you know, two days before Halloween, I didn't ask what Gavin was going as. What did he, what did he end up going as? He went as a vampire, but to say he half-assed it is to insult half-assing. <laughs> um, he went as a vampire and he decided, well, because about a month and a half ago, mm-hmm. he declares, like, I want to go as a Five Nights at Freddy's character. Mm-hmm. And when he declares this, what he's basically saying is, to Chloe, you have to get me a costume that's right. Five Nights Like, exactly. whether you make it or whether you buy it, you have to get this. Right. And so Chloe's like, okay, like, how am I going to do this? And starts thinking about it. And it's like, you know, am I just going to buy one? Blah, blah, blah. And just as close as it decided, like, I'm going to buy one. Right. He goes, I'm going to be a vampire. Mm. Because vampires are like zombies, but cooler. And we're like, okay, sure. You're going to right. be a vampire. Yeah. What does that mean to you? And what it literally means is teeth. <laughs> that was it. Right. Right? Yeah. So he's like, that's all I want. And we're like, okay, but you want to, like, you know, have, like, you know, a, a suit on – like, we can get you a cheap suit from Goodwill. Right. And, like, you can have a cape. And we can mm-hmm. slick your hair back. And he's like, no, 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 no. Right. And we're like, okay, do you want, like, the pale face? And we can put blood dripping down from your mouth. No, 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 no. <laughs> and we're like, okay, so so what is a vampire to you? And he's like, I'm just going to have the teeth. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay. Like, the you know, the, the plastic teeth. The, you know, the, the like, the full mouth teeth. The plastic right. ones. No, 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 no. And we're like, well, like, what? then and he wants like you know just the two like sharp canines that you can get that you, you attach to your actual canines right and there's a problem with that which is his canine teeth are not big enough to attach them to yeah that makes sense okay so so we get them anyway mm-hmm. and we realize we can basically attach them to the teeth nets to them so he looks mm. like a, a vampire with like weird teeth but he looks like a vampire right. and we convince him like you should get a cape anyway like it's just mm-hmm. one thing Come on, just just do this for us. <laughs> and then the other thing is like, will you at least wear black? Because he's wearing like you know a little colorful thing, and we're like, come on, just at least wear black. Oh man! Um, so he's in the, he's in like a, a black hoodie and and black pants, uh, and he's, he's like sneakers, and he's wearing the teeth which fall out like almost immediately, <laughs> and a cape. So by like house number three, he's just wearing the cape. But right. the cape is just long enough that it's basically dragging behind him. Oh, no. And because it's Portland, it's yeah. pissing with rain. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, it's not yeah. just raining. It's a really terrible night. Like, it was the worst rain we'd had in a while. It was mm. really, really bad. Mm. And so his cape is, like, the bottom third is just, like, sodden. It's, it's wet. <laughs> God. Right? And at one point, I'm like, because his friends are also standing on his cape, and the whole right. thing is... So I'm like, dude, just because he's also complaining being cold. I'm like, just wrap the cape around you like a shawl and it'll keep you warm. And he does that, but he does it by swinging it. And because it's so wet, it oh, slaps no. me in the face. And it's actually like it goes slapped in the face. <laughs> oh, God, Graham. Oh, my God. Um, so here's here's the <clears throat> highlight of the whole thing, though. He's doing it. He's wandering around with some friend from school. Uh-huh. And one of the friends from school is so excited about Halloween that they are basically acting like a dick. Of course. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's not because they're they're like it's not because they're ridiculous. It's not because they're a kid. It's right. just that they're so excited that like they're hyper 
Yeah. Right? They're crazy hyper. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so crazy hyper, like, they'll go up to houses and just knock on the door and be like, how many do I get? And not, like, you don't even pretend to <laughs> Okay? Uh-huh. And he has, um, he's got a, a sword that lights up. As part of his outfit, I, can't, I literally can't remember what his outfit is at this point. But all I remember is a sword, he has a sword that lights up. Okay, and we go to one house, and this house decides because the houses in our neighborhood really get into Halloween, really get into trick or treating, right? And like they sit outside, even though it's a terrible, like it's freezing and it's pouring. There's right. a bunch of people sitting outside to like see all the kids and give all the kids candy. They're really into it. Okay, mm-hmm. and we go to this house, and the the people at this house go. If you're dressed as something that's dead or undead, you get more candy. Wow. And the friend isn't. He's dressed as, again, like a right. knight or something, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the 10-year-old is dressed as a vampire. Right, so right. So you get more candy, right? And this is the end of the world, <laughs> his friend. Like, really, like, it, it tips him over. It does tip him over on edge, right? Right, right. Where he's like, this is this is unfair. It's unfair that you got more candy than me. It's not fair. It's 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 unfair. Like yelling, right. it's really unfair. It's terrible. Like how can that happen? That's not fair. And you know he's not wrong, really. No, right? Absolutely, yeah. But also, like you know, it's part of the fun. Yeah. So we go to the next house, and the next house has gone all out, Jeff. Their front window is now a pro- screen, projected screen that has a, a particular thing being projected on it, which makes it look like there's monsters behind the screen Ooh. pressing up against the screen. Like, it's a, it's a really impressive visual effect. Yeah. And there's the people at the front giving out candy, but someone has uh, a microphone that makes it sound like the house speaking. Mm. Okay. Wow. And friend goes up and he's like, I want candy. Like, he's just, just mad at this point. Right. I want candy. And he gets his candy. And the 10 year old goes up and he gets the same amount of candy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's not fair. I should get more candy because he got more candy at the last house. Oh, God. And the person with the microphone is like, everyone gets the same amount of candy. And it's like, no, that's not fair. And really, like, starts to melt down. At this point, again, we've been out for, like, half an hour. He's really wet because he's been raining on the entire time. Right. Like, he's, he's just, he is so excited that, like, it's it's the point where he's like, okay, we have to stop. Like, yeah. this is turning bad. So he's like, ah, it's not fair. It's not fair. And with sort, he starts, like, hitting the house. Right? Because he's, <laughs> he's just mad, right? He's like, that's right. not fair. And the person on the microphone is like, stop hitting the house. <laughs> And he's like, no, this is su-. like. And then he goes, you suck to the house. And the person in the goes, no, you suck. <laughs> and so the friend's like going downstairs, being like, you suck, no, you suck. And literally, he's arguing with the house. And the house is like, no, you suck, no, you suck. <laughs> oh my god, that's yeah, genius. This- Pedro kid who's <laughs> genuinely so upset is shout yelling at a house, you suck, and the house is yelling back to him, you suck. <laughs> oh my god. That is glorious. That is truly glorious. And like all the like all the other families who are there, all the adults are trying not to laugh. <laughs> it's gonna be impossible. <laughs> 
and that was Halloween everyone. Oh my god, that's so good. My Halloween was. That was it. Oh shit, that's gold, <laughs> Graham. No, <laughs> I was like, I don't know who these people are, but like, I want to be their friends because that's amazing that they were just like, no, fuck it. <laughs> we're not dealing with this kid. <laughs> I just love the idea. They really were aware of like the rich comic possibilities of getting in. No, it. you so I'm like a house telling you. I know with the, the huge amplified voice. That just sounds hilarious, man. Oh my god. Ah, oh, ugh, delightful. Ah, uh, Okay, so Graham, like, yes. Um, maybe we speaking speaking of sucking. Maybe we should talk <laughs> about comics. Um, oh man, okay. You what know, sucks, Jeff. What have, what have you been reading? It sucks. Actually, oh. What have you been reading? Like, I'm 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 genuinely curious because like you've had all this time off. Right. I have had all this time off. Um, but does that mean you've not been reading? No, no. I actually, I, I, I read like a ton. It was kind of great being in, like, I, my, my October was kind of astounding in that regard because there were just days where it was just me hanging out reading comics. But then, sadly, like I said, this is where the self harm comes in because. On Wednesday. I'm, I'm genuinely worried. Yes, exactly. Trigger warning. Um, spawn. I I had the Spawn <laughs> Compendium. Oh. oh, boy. I had checked the Spawn Compendium. It was available on Comixology Unlimited. And I checked it out kind of as a lark. And I was like, you know, what if I just read this fucking thing? Um, oh Jesus, no! And I was like, I've got you know, I've, I'm like, I'm on vacation. What the hell? So like, I tried to read it all in one day. I failed. No, yeah. Isn't this yeah. one compendium like 400 pages or something? It's. I mean, it's the first 50 issues, Graham. It's a thousand it's not, pages. It? it is. Jesus it's, Christ! Yeah, I read the I read the first 50 issues of Spawn in like a day and a half. Um. Why would you do that to yourself? Again, content warning, self-harm. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, I got to tell you, I, I really had, A, you know, Spawn sort of comes up every so often. Um, and, you know. True. It, I feel like we talk about Spawn a lot for two people. You've read Spawn for a long time. No, no, I really didn't, though, dude. It's really, it's, I was, I was off. I feel, I feel like you and I have talked about you reading Spawn a lot. Did you really not read that much? I thought you read at least through issue, like, 100. Oh, no, no, not even, not even. No, 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 no. I read issues, like, 1 through 16, and then I think maybe I might have dipped into it when I was working at the comic store. But it was part of the, I'm just going to try and read everything that hits the shelves. And then sure. you and I both had read some Spawn for the first time in a while because McFarlane was quite smartly putting the individual issues up on Hoopla on the run-up to issue 300. 300, yeah, yeah. And at the time, reading those, I was like, wow, just kind of like, I cannot believe that this guy has written 300 issues of a comic book and basically is still so bad at this. So 
I kind of really... No, no, really. Tell us what you really think, Jen. Yeah, right? So, no, but it's really true. And again, there's that thing of, like, Spawn is... And this is the funny thing to reread these first 50 issues. I'm like, you know, I think there's a... This all has stuff that I should I should like. And spoilers, I did like it the first time that I read it called when it was called Deathlock the Demolisher. Like, one of the things that was really interesting reading this first 50 issues was I was like, wait, some of these bits and pieces, yeah, because I this had reread... This feels familiar. Yeah, the Doug Monick, uh, Doug Minch, uh, Rich Buckler, uh, Deathlock stuff. Like, is a story about Luther Manning, who is like a high-end government soldier who dies, comes back five years later in a body where, you know, his face is mostly rotted away. His wife has, now has a kid and has remarried his best friend who works for the dude who got him killed. And that that is, that's... That's fucking spawn. Like you change things around. Like you go from there's even a whole thing as time goes on where the the sort of weird like they talk a lot in the early issues of of Deathlock about the idea that he's designed to kind of be a cyborg super soldier where they tried the idea was to keep enough of his brain Luther Manning's brain alive that he would have access to the strategic part of him and the machine would essentially do the rest. But then his consciousness more or less takes over the whole thing. Spawn similarly is the idea is that he is recruited. They're recruited to become hell spawn, you know, and he's bonded with this, this suit, which is a neural parasite thingy that sort of protects him. But again, the, they end up using his skills at least initially and then the suit's power. And so it's, it's kind of surprising, you know, it, it's also like, you know, uh, McFarlane makes the entire set of main characters uh, black. Uh, And interestingly enough in Deathlock, the wife is black and the two guys, the best friends, the Luther Manning and, and his, his buddy are um, white, but they play very similar roles to what's going on with, with Al Simmons and, and uh, Terry Fitzgerald. So it was kind of interesting to me, despite all my, cause there's a whole bunch of storytelling things that made me think of like Starlin and Perez and, um, and, and, and interestingly enough, some of the stuff that, that kind of the later issues of Spawn are different from the earlier issues of Spawn. And in fact, I mean, I will, you'd, you'd kind of hope, right? Well, you would hope, but yeah. One of the things that actually is pretty great, and this says so much about Todd McFarlane, is I feel like one of the few areas where he really gets inspired <laughs> is when he's talking about how souls die. Because at the end of, basically, issue 50 of Spawn has Spawn, he more or less makes a sacrifice to save Terry. And in doing so... uh either uses up all his power or whatever. It's it's a little unclear. But issue 50, Spawn of course, goes back a, to hell. A tight, there's a countdown, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Which again... There's, it, a, there's like a clock that counts right. down his power. Right. And one of the things that I... I again, how do I put it? There's the stuff that's kind of like, oh, like 
you know, throwing various bits and pieces in place. Like he's got the clock that, you know, the more power that he uses, um, the, 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 you know, the faster it runs out. And so once he sort of tips into that, he starts doing different things. Like he starts, uh, you know, it's kind of, he stops. The big one is, is he can teleport, but it takes up lots of his energy. So instead of teleporting, there's parts where he like literally laboriously travels back to New York. <laughs> anyway, it's not good. It's really 50 issues that were, um, weirdly enough, like some of the strongest issues were, uh, I don't know if you remember, but do you remember how like Spawn got out of sync? Essentially, he got, McFarlane got several issues behind. And so what happened was he just skipped ahead and then was going to publish the two issues okay. later. I I have a, I have always had, had this theory that I don't think I came up with. I think someone told me. Right. And you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. Was it not that the two missing issues were the Batman Spawn crossover? Oh, it might that's, be. That's what, I, that's what I was always told. I, I've always believed. Oh, okay. That, that the two missing issues of the Batman Spawn crossover that were published as a, as a one-shot eventually. Right, right. Because uh, they just it's like 19 or 20 or 20 and 21 or something. That's right. And then didn't they come out after the fact and it's Tom Orzakowski writing? Yeah. Tom Orzakowski. And I think Andrew Grossberg, my apologies if I got his name wrong, but yeah. And honestly, that story's got like pep, like it's 19 and 20. You've gone through like 18 issues in which there's two issues by, is it two or three issues with Grant Morrison Drawn by Greg Capullo, interestingly enough. Which is, which is after that? Uh, before that. that. Yeah, that's okay. like issues 16 through 18. And then I don't remember if the Orsakowski fill-in issues are 20 and 21 or 19 and 20. I think it's 20 and 21. But, you know, and then there's, of course, the, the four authors uh, issues earlier. So, Which you is know, uh, who? Uh, it's Moore, Gaiman, Sim. Is there a fourth author? There is, is it Miller? Miller. Yeah. And okay. Miller. Yeah. And so, so the first 20 issues, you've got McFarlane, you've got Alan Moore, you've got Neil Gaiman, you've got, uh, uh, more Morrison in there. You've got Miller and you've got Dave Sim and arguably the most enjoyably written issues are by Tom Orzakowski and Andrew Grossberg because they're just bananas they're just bananas. It's literally Harry Houdini comes back to try and help Tudor Spawn in how to use magic. And together they have to break up a ring of Ukrainian nuclear bomb smugglers. And I mean, it's the same old story, Jeff. <laughs> a tale as old as time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you were so focused on the pedo, you overlooked the cannibal. Um, <laughs> you you've been watching Avenue Five then. Yes, yes. Oh yes, my god, I... that punchline is amazing. <laughs> it really is. Uh, I mean, that we, whole issue. Yeah, that whole episode to, was to put, uh This in some context for people who are like, "What the fuck is Jeff talking about?" Yeah. Uh, HBO's Avenue Five is a really funny, like remarkably cynical in in a good way, for want of a better way of putting. Yeah. Um. 
post-apocalypse show, really, about mm-hmm. uh, a space cruise liner that, through multiple misadventures, is basically stranded and going the wrong direction, and everyone's trapped on it. Yeah. And the show is very much a celebration of everyone is terrible. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is an episode where they think they've found a space station full of scientists who can help them. And spoilers, it's actually a space person. Yeah. And they've accidentally invited a terrorist on board. Uh, not a terrorist, a cannibal on board. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, after they realize that, they also have to bring on the only person who can help them fix their food source, who's a pedophile. Yeah. Uh, and the punchline of them, because they accidentally leave the cannibal on board. Yeah. Is it the end of the episode and the punchline is you're so worried about the pedo that you left the, you forgot about the cannibal you overlooked the cannibal and then <laughs> a tale as old as time and i and i just i just think that that yeah people if you if your idea of a good time is what if the guys who wrote for the thick of it um and recreated yeah and veep recreated space 1999 as a farce um it is it's uh it's just yeah, you, you'll be so happy. It is such a good show. Yeah, 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 exactly. So anyway, so yeah, the the issue written by Orzakowski and Greenberg, at one point, Harry Houdini has like, he's got a flying car and like spawns dressed up in like a, a almost like a, a chauffeur's outfit, you know, it's just, and it's just, it's literally insane, but it's also fun. So there's a few things, and it's really interesting. The the for me the Spawn Compendium is is McFarlane like his whole thing, amusingly enough. Of oh yeah, I put the four authors in because you know I wanted to learn essentially how to write comics from him, and I'm like, a bullshit. But b it's it is fascinating how much, like if you want a really good um sort of explainer like with negative examples and positive examples of writing comics you could really in a way do a lot worse because one of the things that's interesting about McFarlane for the first 18 issues is he just he's got like he's got a few ideas and he's just drip drip it's like a sailing drip like the the biggest problem with McFarlane actually is is that He's he's kind of lazy. He's a lazy writer, um, but he also um, and he his he thinks in terms of the comics page as uh, as an essential basic unit of information, which is not bad. So every page in itself more or less flows and goes. And but his real problem is he only will do one thing on that page. So McFarlane coming from Marvel Comics and coming from Marvel Comics more or less in the post-shooter era, one of the things is really interesting is, is that he is aware from doing those superhero comics, sort of that idea of like everybody's issue is is a first issue. And so... Mm-hmm. Every issue has a uh, here's Spawn, here's here's Spawn's deal. Here is his wife and Terry Fitzgerald, and here's the subplot that they're in. Here's Sam and Twitch. Here's the subplot that they're in. And then uh, and maybe there's another one. Usually when Jason Wynn pops up, but it's usually because he and Terry have some sort of thing going on. 
but because those are um even if it's just a placeholder where nothing is really happening, like there's a huge thing with Sam and Twitch where they get a file that has the dirt on the police commissioner boss of them. And one of the things is that the boss has was responsible for getting the child murderer in issue five out and sicked on the senator. And this the the child murderer thing is that happens in issue five. They McFarlane is still slowly playing it out by issue no joke forty three, where there are twenty seven issues where they have the file that in, can incriminate the boss and they don't do anything with it. But every issue there's kind of like oh, here's here's Sam eating, like, an incredibly gross slob, and here's, you know, Twitch, like, you know, using some McFarlane's version of sarcastic repartee, and it's literally like, oh, and they've got the file, and they're going to do something with it. And that's, and that's an entire page. McFarlane has, as, as you know, he will have a page of three news commentary people Mm-hmm. each one representing sort of a different piece of a, a different viewpoint on the political spectrum, basically, if you can call it that. Um, and each of them just draw, it's just info dump after info dump. Anyway, McFarlane will drop an entire page of that and it's just three panels and then blabbity on the side of it. And it's fascinating yeah. how, when you get to the four uh the four writers um i don't m- neither more nor sim address it cuz sim sim's doing an allegory more's got his thing gaiman i think might actually work it in there but the, as the, does the, miller i don't think that? gaiman works it cuz gaiman's whole thing is is Angela, Angela, right? and yeah, and, and medieval spawn, and then doesn't he jump ahead for more Angela? I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. No, there is but see, that's the that. thing that's actually really amazing is is that again, this stuff moves so quickly. Like Gaiman introduces the whole setup with medieval spawn and Angela, and then ends that in like the first six or seven pages, like after she kills medieval spawn and has trapped him, and then. There's the whole like gig of what she's what she up to, and then she encounters modern day Spawn, and they tussle, and they tussle. So I mean, it's it is the fact that Neil Gaiman actually wrote the most action packed issue of a Todd McFarlane comic <laughs> really gives you a certain degree of pause. But it's absolutely true. Like all of the writers, like you know, more literally maps out eleven levels of hell in his in his yes. one yep. issue with one issue with one uh uh level of hell that he leaves blank essentially yeah um so he basically throws in again he totally creates hell he totally lays down this whole stuff following up on the billy kincaid child murderer thing like he takes the strands for that and has a story with a beginning middle and end in it and then you followed up with Gaiman, who introduces Angela, Cagliostro, Medieval Spawn, has two fight scenes, 
in there, two big fight scenes. Um, you've got Miller's whose issue reads closest to an issue of McFarlane's Spawn, but even still, he's got Spawn getting fed up with these two gangs. The I want to say it would have been genius if it had been the nerds and the geeks, but it's the it's like the geeks and the jerks or something. I don't remember, but it's these two warring gang factions. And Miller might even be the dude where he's got the newscasters. But again, he only does he either only does half a page with the newscasters, or I think he does the newscasters on the left side of the page, and then he's got action happening as in, in counterpoint on the right side of the page. So honestly, every single one of the four authors, including Miller, who is clearly in fuck-off mode, are all speedy as shit. Like, it's a really okay, good lesson. I, yeah. I have a question about the newscasters. Aren't the newscasters basically ripping off Dark Knight Returns? They, well, see, that's, that's kind of my thing. They are, but they're all... Which which is why it is probably most likely that Miller uses them in his issue because it's kind of his thing. Like, the thing that's interesting about all of this stuff is more being more and Gaiman being Gaiman. But both Sim, strangely enough, and um, and Miller are closer to where McFarlane is kind of going for. And it's interesting i would be really curious to see sit down and and i think i think mcfarland really did read a lot of cerebus you know and and it's tough because it's really hard to remember these days since you know sim so trashed uh his entire career and his reputation in himself but he was so for a black and white comic he sold really well and was incredibly influential and so oh when, back in the day sim sim was like the guy right like if you got the, the vote of approval from sim like right. you you were in yeah and there were a lot of comics guys who wanted that seal of approval and i unsurprisingly mcfarland and sim both being cartoonists uh, both being canadians um you know cartoon. And cartoonists, but you get this sense, and again, it's tough, but Orzakowski's uh, lettering at, is super expressive and very much like Sims. And in fact, some of the long um, uh, vertical panels with sort of like the crosshatched border kind of thing is is very Sim-like. And so... Both Sim and Miller, you can kind of see like, oh, this, th these, I think, are the guys that McFarlane's reading. But like you said, he he takes the newscaster thing from the Dark Knight, but the way that he, what he does with it, is literally a just so that he can chill out. Like it's not Miller would have lots of. Um, it, at least as he goes on to progress with it, he will drop the newscaster panels as small info panels in the middle of a bigger, larger picture. McFarland just sets them off on their own page. Mm -hmm. um, each of them only gets one panel. Sometimes they'll get multiple panels. Um, they never have word balloons, I'm sure, to give them that television feel. But it's just, it, it, and it's just ridiculous amounts of 
Like, no one really needs to know this. The other thing that's amazing about McFarlane, especially for a guy who's drawing his own stuff, is he really... And again, maybe this is something he learned from Marvel. He spends a lot of time explaining what's happening in his panels when he doesn't need to, you know? Um, so there's a... You know, he, he tends to layer extra stuff in there, kind of. But it's very much like, you know... Spawn grips the gun tighter. He guns down the targets in front of them, seeing them flare up. This has got to be the day. This is happening now! Exclamation point, exclamation point. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and there's a lot of like, no, I can, I can see what's happening. I can even figure out like what... <laughs> I know what's like, going on Context here. clues let me know what's happening. Right? Like, it's just really strange. And again, just that weird, like... So McFarlane... It, the other thing that I found is is it was slow move. So the first fifty issues of Spawn are so slow moving. I actually wondered if it made me want to go back and reread early Brian Bendis stuff to see if his self published stuff like Jinx moved faster. And then when he, because you know one of his first gigs was writing Sam and Twitch for mm-hmm. McFarlane. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us really are like, oh, yeah. And then Bill Jameis kind of like tells him like, no flashbacks, no this, no that. And and so the deconstructed storytelling that, that I think of is really coming out of Jameis era Marvel. Like reading McFarlane. Um, You're like, yeah, that just came here. Issues. It might have actually come from there. And I'm not really sure. Again, part of me is like the comics are not good like but they (laughs) sell you know i mean i guess they sold like they they made it to issue 300 you know but it's just there is um they're just it it's it's really fascinating watching and again after the authors are gone even after morrison comes in and steps up and morrison stuff is um very much cut now that i've read his 2000 ad stuff it's very much cut from his 2000 and ad cloth i think yeah yeah, yeah. it's very much like a, oh there's a spawn i'm creating an anti-spawn like you know like what's the biggest threat this guy could face i'm just going to turn his deadliest an enemy into his deadliest enemy kind of thing and yeah, yeah. but even still he throws at least three different weirdo ideas in there too like and and so everyone's super generous with the Spawn universe. Anytime there's someone else writing, it kind of threatens to kick into gear. Again, the Orzakowski, uh Greenberg stuff is just not... I mean, again, it's Harry Houdini. There's a Ukrainian nuclear scientist. There's the subplot with Jason Wynn and Terry Fitzgerald and spycraft stuff. But there's this whole other alternate universe of demons that are essentially using earth as for scientific experimental purposes uh, of fucking people up and it's 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 definitely a better idea than most of what mcfarland has like i said mcfarland for a huge chunk of it like i had always thought that i'd seen the later stuff where it kind of seemed like it was like hell is terrible but heaven is also not good like yeah exactly yeah both, you know, it's both sidesism, <laughs> right? Exactly, it was both sidesism, and I thought for me, I thought there was something very clever about this idea of again, you've got an you've got an indie cartoonist who's like, 
like they're both bad like there's dc there's marvel they're both one's hell one is heaven whichever one you pick but they're both basically doing the same thing they're more or less locked in war with one another and they're more or less both ruining lives and i sort of assumed that that was the case but the first 50 issues of spawn it's way more hell is bad and then the angels are kind of bloodthirsty but like there's a there's you know but they're not as bad as the other guys well even if they are there's still a there's still there's a little old lady that gets taken hostage that's clearly supposed to be god you know and she ends up being like you know spawns spawns got his heart in the right place he's trying to do the right thing and so she's kind of this benevolent figure like you gotta call off all this shit stop the crap Leave him, let, let this man be for now. And later, around the time that Spawn goes back to hell, when he dies, McFarlane's got a way more interesting page, which, unsurprisingly for McFarlane, talks about the acquisition and trading of souls like a, like a baseball draft, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense, since he's a baseball player. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, exactly. Totally his whole thing about... Sp- the heaven and hell compete for souls. They pick souls, whether or not they're good or evil in some cases for the potential that they have for them. And in other cases to block their potential against someone else. And, and honestly, that was about it as far as McFarlane goes. I, I, I say that, but I also think that if you had, you could do a Spawn TV show that basically hit fast forward on everything and it would be more interesting because the soap opera thing of Spawn being essentially an undead wife guy who can't let his wife go. Um, and the other thing that really sucks because McFarlane doesn't, he lays he has a tendency to lay everything out on the line he's so into over explaining and again whether that's because he was raised in the marvel way or maybe being a bit naturally assuming that uh, as as a comic artist turned writer no one's really going to give him the benefit of the doubt he over explains everything and really kills a lot of dramatic mystery if it had started off where you don't know if terry actually had a role in Al Simmons' death, if he did remarry Wanda, like if he had Al killed because he was in love with Wanda, because yeah, yeah, he was yeah. working for the guy. And there's all this stuff that could be layered in there. And instead, because we know <laughs> that it's not. not. Yeah, exactly. We just essentially have Spawn being, um, acting really paranoid, which again could be potentially interesting if he was going to do anything with it but there's a lot more dramatic potential that's there that just really gets pissed away and then there's issues that are just oh man there's an issue there's an issue where spawns like spawns like meaningful issues on the run where in one issue he deals with child abuse and then the next issue he deals with the clan and it's it's just oh those issues are so bad anyway it was <laughs> i could i there's other things going on too like i'm i'm, I'm really curious yeah. before you get to other things yeah 
I, I was going to ask if you enjoyed this, but that's like you're describing a self harm. I think you've answered the question. Yeah, exactly. But having done it, do you appreciate having done it? I don't know. I mean, how do I put it? Like, I, I think sometimes there's kind of a value to to, I, like, yes. On the one hand, being able to turn around and be like, "Oh, I read fifty issues of Spawn in like a day and a half. Like, I was really shooting for a full day." People would be like, "Oh, that's really dumb. Why would you do that?" And so <laughs> there's a certain amount of stupid that is bragging exactly rights. Yeah, exactly. But but I also want to feel like there's a little bit of a um I I at least for me, like I said, there's elements of like, oh, I can see how this works. I can see how this doesn't work. And also never having read this this stuff before, literally having jumped off. I don't even think I finished reading the Morrison issues, honestly. So I think I was off by like issue sixteen or seventeen. Um seeing the way in which some of this stuff might have actually inspired um like i said like if 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 bendis learned some of his slow as mass molasses construction you know there if nothing else spawn by being in the marketplace for so long made must have made that seem like an alternative you know what I mean? Like, de if decompressed storytelling came out of, you know, McFarlane's spawn directly or indirectly, it it seems historically semi-important, you know? I think the yeah, yeah, other yeah, yeah, yeah. thing that is... And so there's there's little bits. The th one thing that's really funny about the spawn compendium is... Um, Again, maybe part of it is because I have the version from Comixology Unlimited, the digital version. But it is like cover, credits, first issue. Like they don't even put, they don't even, he doesn't even print the covers for all the individual issues. It's just like, boom, you know, each, each new, uh, the, the, the first page of each new issue is called out with an issue number in the upper right hand corner that's been added in production. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. and, and then you get to the last page of issue fifty, and I'm like, oh, like I've read, I read, as you know, that volume five of Marvel's Conan Omnibus, you know, which has introduction by Roy Thomas and afterwards by Roy Thomas, yeah, yeah, yeah unused yeah, yeah. art, like unused mm -hmm. art, like at least a dozen pages, and McFarlane, you get to the last page of issue 50, you flip it digitally, and it's like, oh, here's the back it's, page. It's like, good, goodbye, yeah. Yeah, there's just, it. it's like, it's practically a, like an essential, a Marvel Essentials just in color, which, who knows, maybe that's what it was designed as. I think, I'm assuming yeah. that they were very much looking at the success of things like the Walking Dead compendiums, where it's like, oh, people actually read buy this many comics for this much money especially if there's they feel there's that much of a discount on it um but it's it it was it's kind of heartbreaking watching mcfarlane not advance or change or grow like i mean he just kind of gets more set in his ways like again the fact that he employed like four of the biggest art writers and then 
learned nothing and it's like later <laughs> i mean you know what i mean like he's, he's you you remember that at the time like learning from them was the, the selling point yeah is what is what he says i'm now convinced literally convinced that either it was not or he just looked at it and was like yeah but i mean like you look at it and you're just like look at the pacing like there's both Moore and gaiman in particular write the book like like they 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 show up they're just they're like here are half a dozen new ideas and of course as you know it later ends up with gaiman and and mcfarlane in court but you know he he throws all that stuff that way and of course part of that's because mcfarlane ends up going back on everything that he he promised gaiman but you know they 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 show how to be generous they show like how to just just step on the gas and then the as soon as that's all over mcfarlane like okay now i gotta downshift this back to second gear because you know i'm uh i'm i'm built for comfort i'm not built for speed and it's it's just a shame so jumping so it in a weird way i find myself almost wanting to revisit some of those issues of spawn again the later the stuff that hit hoopla around the time of 300 although although i i'll tell you right now you don't i know exactly exactly i really don't and so so yeah i'm i'm glad i did it but it's fascinating how much um i mean god i'm glad we did Drock or Baxter building instead of <laughs> as opposed to spawn as opposed to the spawn cast or whatever but but well, I've, I've got to tell you I went like because I've I've talked to I talked to McFarland for New York yeah. right mm-hmm. and partly through preparation and partly through I'm mean, calling it a morbid interest is 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 overly mean right but I had this like I'm you know I'm I'm gonna read some of the stuff around 300 again because on Hoopla there's collected editions as well. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but I was also like I've never read the Morrison issues and it's Morrison hmm. in like the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, like you know it's around the time of Inferno when he's doing Dread mm-hmm. and Summer Offensive. Like I kind of feel like I know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, for one of a better way of putting it, it's plastic Morrison. Right, right. Morrison yeah. being cynical and and just being like, okay, fine, I'm going to crank this shit out. Right. Um, and like Morrison has since gone on the record and said basically like, I called Todd and asked for the issues because he didn't ask me to be part of the original four. Oh, and interesting. Pe- and people kept thinking I was, and I was like, why am I not? Like, give me some issues. And then I found out how much I'd le- heard Aaron from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, so he's literally like admitted to doing it for the money. And, you know, I'm going to read that and I'm going to read the, the Suffer in 300. And the weird thing is, and I think this honestly would be true of a lot of superhero comics, uh, how much it didn't feel like there was like 20 years worth of comics in between them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like I clearly missed some things. Right. But it didn't feel like I'd missed like 250 odd comics. Totally, totally. Absolutely. I mean, and that's it. Like, I I really kept like, because I'm so bad with numbers, I really found myself being like, wait, did this get to spawn 300? Because by the time you get to 50, you're like, 
okay, I can kind of see how he could get to where he was at in 300 by 100, you know, but if that, but also again, as you know, like, um, it's one thing when you read Morrison stuff, because Morrison writes, you know, he, he's, he doesn't write the same way McFarlane does. What's fascinating to me is how much McFarlane, like looking at some of his gunslinger spawn stuff, he still over explains. He still will tell you what everyone it's, it's all just the worst amounts of, you know, telling, not showing. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, just, you know, dressing things up with what he thinks are cool graphics, but it's, it's so, um, it's really disposable. But again, fat watching, really making, for me, making that connection of like, oh shit, on the one hand, you really can pick up an issue of Spawn and be feel like you're pretty much brought up to speed. You're not going to be super lost. But that's because it goes nowhere so slowly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I should have realized since you were talking and honestly, the ironic thing is, is I think I did download that spawn compendium in between, you know, your recap of McFarlane's panel in San Diego and his New York talk, both of which had a certain degree of like, oh, you know, like, right. McFarlane is, you know, there there was a period before I wrote him off where he seemed like somebody who really knew what he was doing. And I, here's the thing. I think he does know what he's doing. I think it's just that what he's doing is just not something that like we dig. Again, I, I keep coming back to not only having spoken to him and having seen him in panels like a few times this year, mm-hmm. um, like his, his supreme confidence right. in himself. Right. Like again, like, he and I don't mean that in I don't even necessarily mean that in the sense of like misplaced confidence. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that he knows exactly what he's doing, right? And I think that he knows it works for him. But, um, see, but also, yeah. but, but 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 the other thing is being in the room specifically for the New York Comic Con panel, right? And being surrounded by his fans, right? All of whom genuinely are his fans. Like there's no, there was no like ironic fandom, right. and there was no like arch, you know. Well, he draws well, but he doesn't write well. Mm-hmm. There was no, I liked his stuff back then. Like I was in a room full of people who genuinely think that Todd McFarlane is a great creator, writer, and artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People who one hundred percent are buying what he's selling. Right, I'm loving it, like genuinely, wholeheartedly. And I, I did have that moment of like, like I guess he's doing something right. I, see, I don't mm, know what that is. See, and I don't, I, <laughs> I, I, I but, oh yeah, no, I know, I know exactly what you mean. But I have 50, to say, fifty thousand Elvis fans can't be wrong, Jeff. No, they, they really can. Like having read that first fifty issues of Spawn as well as the other stuff that I've I've read. I, here's the thing. I think that there are, first off, I mean, comics is not the, the, the first, first uh, artistic medium where someone can uh, go a long way on a cult of personality. You know what sure. I mean? No, 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 no. I, yeah. But, but, 
I guess what I'm trying to say is like this being in that crowd honestly felt beyond the cult of personality. I've mm-hmm. been in rooms like I was in the fucking Donny Cates panel at Chicago, right? right. Mm-hmm. I've been in a room with people that cult cult personality. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't that because the Donny Cates room mm-hmm. were people who thought that Donny was cool. Mm-hmm. And they read his comics, but they thought that Donny was cool. Right. Right? The McFarlane room were people who specifically thought the work was cool and therefore he was cool. Mm. It was flipped. Uh, yeah, was, I mean... It was the weirdest thing. It was the weirdest thing. I, You know, I... I, I it's... it's I, I guess I... I I of course have to believe you, Graham, because you know. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, like, in the like sense of like, because I wasn't there and, and you were, but I'm like, I really am surprised, like, because I found I found a lot in the first. There's a lot of stuff in the first fifty issues where I'm like, is this just what McFarlane likes, or is this just what McFarlane cynically thinks? people will like like so as as you know i I strongly suspect it's the latter right like as you know spawn ends up essentially being like the homeless superhero and he ends up surrounded by a bunch of bums in the bowery who more or less take him in and and it it's interesting how much and this is another thing is is how much McFarlane will be keep this constant status quo of like Spawn will want to watch over the guys and the guys are devoted to him. And then there will be some issue where Spawn's like, you know what? I've had enough of you guys. I'm you guys stop. Just get off my dick. Yeah. 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 You know, that comes out and then (laughs) and uh, may well. And then two issues later, he's like, Oh, but I love these guys. And, and similarly, they go through things of like, for the most part, they love him too, except when it's a political expedient for the yeah, plot yeah, yeah. for him to, to, to suddenly be tired of his bullshit. So the way that the drunks all are characterized is 100% exactly the same way that the violator in his, what I kind of thought was a always meant to be kind of an unkind caricature of peter david and i'm realizing now was i think supposed to be danny devito um all along i love i what's really funny is i always thought it was danny devito but i love that you thought it was peter david i i i, I did i was like oh man he really does not like that peter david guy but then i was like oh yeah no it's clearly you're right it's clearly when you look at the intonations and everything he's trying to do danny devito but it's but essentially between sam uh, the violator and the drunks. It's all a bunch of burping and farting and and kind of eating with food falling out of your mouth and kind of and kind of gross puerile. But here's the weird thing: like it never, it barely seems like humor. You know what I mean? Like every once in a while, yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. will top to make a joke like Jurassic. You know, check out my Jurassic farts after someone had brought up Jurassic Park or something like that. But for the most part, it's just every issue of it. And I and I found myself being like, is this what McFarlane 
likes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's just, it is so absolutely consistent towards, towards the end of the run. Well, there's a few points where, of course, as you know, you spawn yanks off his mask and, and he's hideously deformed because he's basically been a dead corpse that's been reanimated. There's a later issue after he gets, um, you know, injured where he gets one of his, his quote unquote new look, which is just spikier gauntlets and literally um, one of the bums sutures his face together with a shoelace so his face is like got a shoelace suture running down the center of it um and then later when he gets super injured and more or less cut apart vivisected by the curse and the suit his uniforms the only thing that's holding him together the uniform and it's this is where things finally sort of start getting interesting and mcfarlane sort of kind of is like "Eh, maybe i maybe i should do a horror thing less than a superhero thing all of a sudden, there's all these maggots and worms and things that are feeding Spawn's suit. And there's some full-page close-ups that are literally, like, it's all green goo and dripping worms and talking about, like, weird orgiastic ecstasy-type stuff. And it's, and it's, it's the only point where I'm like, does McFarlane actually feel something here? Like, and that's the thing. So much of the issue really is not Mc is for me. So much of McFarlane not ex- seeming to express anything in a way that that again, that's part of why it find, it seems hard for me to see people being into McFarlane in any other way than kind of a I'm a loyal ride or die Todd fan like from the days that he was on Spider-Man and I've stuck through him through all 300. And I think that he is great sort of in the way that an athlete is great for what they do. Um, Yeah. And like that makes sense. But again, having been in that crowd and talked to some of these people, right, right. That was not the sense I got. Yeah. Like there's people, there's genuinely people I talked to who only got into spawn like five years ago. Right. Which, again, makes no sense. Yeah, Because when we externally think about Spawn, it launches massively. Yeah. And then, basically, it's hyper-successful for, like, 10 years, and then it sort of drops off. And then around 300, it picks back up in terms of sales, right? Right, right. So five years ago, nothing was happening. Yeah. Why would people pick it up then? Yeah. I don't fucking know. But there are people who are like, yeah, you know, I got into it around, like, you know, 2018 or something. And there is this moment of like, why? Yeah, right. Like, what? What? But also, they're too young to have been into his Spider-Man. Right. Well, but it you is, know, yeah. But at that point, you do wonder if it's the these are people who read their dad's comics. You know what I mean? Or they're you know, we know people no, no, who got real. turned or, into or, comics from reading their uncle's comics collection. Yeah. You no. Know? Look, yes, literally. Yeah. But like. I don't know. It's it's, it's weird because again, it it makes sense for us, being the age we are, mm-hmm. to be like, well, of course, the Todd fans are the people who've been there since he was cool, right, right, right. And, and you're and like, I was there. It's, it's not the case. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which again makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, 
yeah, it's it's weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I I mean, I honestly, and I mean, and that is, I guess, that's the other thing is is that I should really be smarter and look back on. You know the my own history with comics, which is the 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 number of things that I loved, and then went back and read the seventies Marvel's comics as an adult, and was like, oh yeah, these aren't that good, or really just kind of like what I loved that I thought was there wasn't on the page, and and it makes sense. Which, which to be fair, you've yeah. said you've said a lot, right? Yes, exactly. Gone back and read a lot of things where you've had that exact response. Exactly, and so Spawn may be perfect for that. It has got a ton of, it lays out this structure. It explains the structure really clearly in just about every issue. And it makes it sound like a lot of stuff has happened. And it becomes really cool to imagine that it has. You know what I mean? So yeah, it could just well be that it is a... It's it, it in the same way that a twelve-year-old will find a comic and just think that it's yeah. I mean, that's the, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, you know, I bet if I gave the ten-year-old Spawn, right, like there's something in there that he just like be like, yeah, fucking great. Yeah, I can see that. Actually. You know, like yeah. it's he he's out for revenge and he's a hell Spawn. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Look at and his he's... costume. Right. You know, yeah, and like yeah. that's it. Like it's this like weird Pavlovian thing. You know, right. kids love chains, as the, as the joke goes. Yes, indeed. Exactly. You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. it again, it's weird because uh, I think you and I, having been through, like, the, the the earlier waves of McFarlane fandom. Right. By which I mean, like, having lived through that period as opposed to, because, like, I was never really a big Todd fan. Like, my, my Todd McFarlane fandom was when he was fucking drawing Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Right. No, me too. You know, too. like, I'm, like absolutely I'm the most like, number of issues like I have. Spider-Man. Yeah. No. Nope. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, but we were there, like, when Spawn was blowing up. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I I remember. Uh. And I, for some reason, every time I think about Image, I always think about this. Um. I. I mean. We are we are literally going back to the, to the early nineties now. Right. Um, I was in college, and the house I was renting, as I'd like to live in, um, was bizarrely uh, rented out in the summers as like a holiday home. Wow. And there was like a, a three week crossover between like the end of my term and when they wanted to lend start renting out. Right. And so the landlords were like, just live in our house for those three weeks. Like, you right. can do it rent-free. Just fucking vacate this house that we want to rent for a lot more money. Right. Right. right? And so I was like, of course. Like, rent-free for three weeks? Great. Sure. And I'm, I don't know, 19, 20, whatever I would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, image is kind of breaking through. And they had a 15 or 16-year-old kid. Maybe maybe a bit younger, maybe maybe fourteen, um, and he was really into image, right? And so all of a sudden, I'm staying in their house, and this kid is like, "Ah, you like comics? I like comics," and he had joined the Image Comics fan club or some sort of fan club. Wow! And he was like, and he, he like gives me like the 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 fan club material. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I remember 
feeling very um old i guess <laughs> right like and again i'm like 19 or 20 right. or something like i'm yeah. not old i'm objectively not old right but i remember looking at all of this stuff and being like i don't get it right like right. i just on some level don't understand <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it it makes no sense to me mm-hmm. what like why these comics are appealing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um but that in itself makes sense looking back at it because like i dropped off x-men when jim lee was getting started mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like that was not my era of x-men mm-hmm. at all i was like the generation before that right you know, I was at that point, like, I was like, oh, no, you know, uh, Vertigo comics, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that was mm-hmm. the same year as, like, you know, early Vertigo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, no, Shade the Changing Man and, and whatever, fucking Sandman or whatever. Yeah. Um, like, that's what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Spawn, I think not. Um, <laughs> but it, it, like I do, I remember he was like, this kid was really into it. Mm-hmm. He was like, look at this. And I did. And I was just like, I don't get it. Right, like yeah. I just, I just don't understand the appeal of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which, I, which I think makes sense because I remember that is also something I remember of around the time. Like a lot of people who were kind of like, I don't get it. And and what was fascinating was watching the people at Marvel who were making crazy cash and and the editors were like i don't get it i know it sells i know you got to protect it but i don't i don't get it like people just were like rob liefeld stuff looks objectively terrible to me why is it selling through the roof and it it was interesting because i remember like you know scott mcleod taking taking time to explain and and treat those guys really super serious in i think understanding comics i don't remember if is that or outside that but like he's like yeah yeah you know all of this stuff has like a heavy manga influence that you guys yeah, yeah, just yeah, can't yeah. you know the oh, speed no, lines like, and the things yeah you and... look back at it now and you can see all of that stuff right yeah you can see like it's funny because even back then i had seen michael golden's work Mm-hmm. And I definitely right. see Adams' work. I was a big fan of our Adams, who right. himself is like really comes from Golden, right? Like yeah. you can see the the connection, right? But that felt like I couldn't see a connection between that work and the image stuff. Mm-hmm. And now that I look at it, I'm like, oh shit! Of course, you can see the connection between. Those yeah, things. no, absolutely. As soon as you said it, I'm cool. like, oh shit! Right, Golden is a huge influence on McFarlane. Yeah. Yeah. Massive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Completely. It's one of the things that, like, at the time, I just, I didn't see at all. Right. You know. Right. Um. It's yeah. It's just it's I I do remember at that point just being like yeah I don't I don't get it and the image being such a big thing mm-hmm. like being such a big deal and the the artists having such like a a, a major presence in the Marvel line before that I right. remember what pushed me away from the Marvel line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, right. uh, and then like image came into a big deal, and it was this thing of like, I guess this stuff is just isn't for me, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's right. okay. I've got vertical to read, right? Exactly. I mean, that's I remember that was kind of my. I have memories of 
you know, being being at uh, Golden Apple in, on on Melrose Avenue and and having my stack of like fanographic books and vertigo books and and one of the one of the guys behind the counter like making it a point to slip me one of the the primo copies of Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man number 1 you know and i was like um thanks you know so <laughs> i think not <laughs> well i mean i got it i bought it i read it and i was like that's eh, not for me like, advantageous yeah. yes exactly his webline advantageous oh i mean let's face it that is i what... i was trying to explain to was it Chloe? i was trying to explain to someone recently about doom force oh really oh wait i would uh, think that chloe would know and totally be into doom force yeah that's why i was like is it Chloe? but i was also like who else would it have been right uh, i was definitely trying to explain to someone recently about doom force yeah and I think Doom Force is a very funny if you were there, and b something yes. that just does not make sense now. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you look back on it now, it feels weirdly petty. Oh, uh, interesting. I'd have to reread it. I haven't reread it in like literally decades. So, I mean, honestly, as it serves, <laughs> right? I mean, yes and no. I don't know. You know what like, I mean? I, like... I remember very clearly that there's a. a I can't remember if Magnolia only inked. I think he only inked the cover. I think it's Giffen and Magnolia. But yeah. Magnolia signs it doing penance. Mm. Because he he did some X-Force work. Right. Right. And it's like, there's something about that that's just wacky to think about now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I I mean, there there was... I'm a huge fan of, of the Spinner Rack Twitter feed where the, mm -hmm. the they post, like, four covers for comics that yeah, were yeah, released yeah, yeah. on yeah. the day. And uh, it, they've got their favorites, uh, of course. But, like, there was some period, and it's from, I don't know, 82, 83, or something like that. And it's it's practically a slam dunk. It's like Art Adams doing Longshot and Magnolia doing Rocket Raccoon. And then... Honestly, I it, it's like I'm like who's the third guy? I'm like oh right, it's um, Steve Purcell who did Sam and Max. You know mm -hmm. those guys are all super tight with one another. But but yeah, Magnolia and 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 Adams coming arriving on Marvel when they did, uh, and being like because they're right before those Image guys. But as yes. you point out, like Adams has a big influence on them. Um, and Mignola is moving. He, he, it's such an interesting guy in that sense. Cause he, he had his own style, but it, it was almost like he spent more time suppressing it and trying to draw in the house style. And then once he gave up on that, then it went nuts for him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So seeing him sort of sublimate his style to, to the pre-image Marvel style, and then parody it in something like Doom Force makes a you know a lot of sense, but also seems really head scratching after the fact. It, it's if you go back for people with with DC Universe Infinite, mm -hmm. uh, I know that the ambush bug, nothing special, is on there, oh, and I'm yeah. fairly I'm fairly sure Doom Force is as well. Mm -hmm. Read both of them back to back and see how weirdly pissed off. Keith Giffen was an image. 
Oh yeah, I would love that. I would love because that. there's there's like two or three pages of of bug exclamation point in the Amish <laughs> special, which is uh, very much a, a Rob Liefeld. Oh, mm, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I want to say that Ambush Bug was... actually made fun of the his webline advantageous. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Does. Yeah. Um, but there's also uh, Giffen's a Giffen's part of Doomforce as well. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's this weird thing where it's like, like Giffen clearly like <laughs> really did not like Image. Yeah. Well, I can kind of I can kind of see it I, to me because I mean if you I love. Giffen's early Marvel work, you know, and mm-hmm. I just think it's it's beautiful, but it's very much how do I put it? Like he, I can see where he would be a little pissy about the image guys because they, I feel like Giffen put in a ton of work to sort of outgrows influences and also, you know, become a quote unquote better artist you know what i mean and so you, you say that but i think, feel like giffen's entire career was a sign of like just aping different artists at any given time oh i mean agree <laughs> all the way through yeah. to, ironically when he started drawing for image you're right yeah that's that's very true yeah no 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 definitely i mean like, like that's the thing something really... like a trencher and that's the first time where i can't think of an immediate person he's ripping off and even then you can sort of like abstractly point to people he's points he's well yeah off. right because he's still he had so ingested was it minos and sampaio style or just sampaio or yeah well that well, minos is 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 ambush book right yeah because you get like the early marvel work is is 100 kirby oh so kirby it, right, it, yeah, and then he has Munoz in, in like ambush buggy era, and also like he's doing some uh Superman work around the same time. Then you uh, can see it moved... in his Legion, even right? Like his Legion gonna, five yeah, years later, also, yeah. Okay. It was five years later stuff. He's he's doing that, but also he then at some point clearly leans into a Keith Giffen's uh, uh, Kevin McGuire's doing well. Mm. I'm gonna try and get McGuire faces thing. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. like really can do like just point where he's like, Oh, I'm ripping this person off now. Now I'm ripping right. the first person off. Yeah. Um, which is honestly one of the reasons why it's so funny to me that he's so against image. Right. Because <laughs> it's like I mean also, given when he first broke into the industry, like made all the the, the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like he was apparently like really late and apparently a terrible person to work with. All right. by his own admission now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he was just like that. He was the egotistical snot-nosed punk when he first broke in, apparently. Right, right. And again, this is from him. I'm not speaking out of turn. He said this himself. Right. Um. So it's funny. to Like, I'm wondering how much of that plays into his dislike of image. That makes sense. Because, I mean, there is It's that... just like, like, I had to learn, you know, I had to earn my place. Right. Then no, exactly. You yeah. Earn your place as well, you know? Right. Right. He sees everyone who made all the mistakes that, that he made and get amply rewarded and yes, exactly. more or less and become millionaires. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And at that point, yeah, I can see where you'd feel a little bit like Charlie Brown just standing out in the ring. Like I, that's and and be and be kind of churlish about it. So Yeah, kinda of, kinda of be mad about it, yeah. 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 It it's just um it's it's a fascinating who would have thought that we would have ended up spending like an hour and a half talking about Spawn? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, 
at least 20 minutes was spent about talking about dog dicks. So, I mean, or, I can or, see or where you'd like to wrap that into the response. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, wow, what a yeah. weird episode, Jeff. It's going to it's going to be wacky. Uh do you, so how about you, Graham? What have you been what have you been reading? Like I feel like I, unless there's I've more you want to talk about. No, no, I've been I've been reading uh a couple of things. Um one of which is not a comic, but about comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been reading back issues of Amazing Heroes. Ah, Amazing Heroes. Yeah. Uh, in part because I am a fucking nerd. <laughs> and specifically, I'm a nerd for old comics journalism. Mm-hmm. Give me a back issue of the Comic Buyer's Guide. Give me a back issue of Amazing Heroes or, or Comics Journal or, or any of those. And I'm in fucking heaven. I really am. And, like, especially Comics Journal and Amazing Heroes from, like, the mid to late 80s. Oh, yeah. Um, are, are something that I love very much because there is uh, there's a focus on long form that just doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Like, I read an 18-page interview with Marv Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which is just insane. It's yeah. genuinely insane, you know, uh, and it's great. It's very, very enjoyable, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm very insightful as to where his head was at, at that particular time. Mm-hmm. Like this is when around the time where he's just started writing like um, Sable for first comics. Oh, wow. Wait, Marv right? wrote Sable? Yeah. For... Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so he's talking about like how he how he's most committed to Teen Titans, mm-hmm. um, but like he really enjoys writing Sable because Sable isn't a superhero, and so he can't basically pull shit out. You know, he can't pull things out of thin air. Right. Like he can't have a Deathstroke Terminator move where like all of a sudden he's the greatest swordsman ever and he's like teleported to sword to him. He can't do any of that. It has to be grounded. That forces his brain to work in different directions. Mm-hmm. You know. But you also get him talking about how he thinks Crisis on Earth failed. Mm. You know, like, and that's that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very funny. I just yesterday had uh, what I thought was going to be like a 10 minute call with Jeff Drexler, who's the interim director of the CBLDF, mm-hmm. and ended up going more than an hour. Wow. And it was great. And it's going to go up in poppers uh, mm-hmm. at some point. Um, and it was, it was like, just shockingly um, insightful and educational about where he sees not only the CBLDF going, but where he sees uh, potential threats to comics coming mm. from. Um, you know, he for for people who don't know, Trexler isn't just the interim director of CBLDF. He was also the lawyer that defended genderqueer in Virginia mm. in the recent. And so he's like literally in the trenches dealing with this. Wow. Um, and he has, he's a in, impossibly smart guy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so hearing him talk about like, well, here's what I think you can draw from this case. And here's where they're, uh, here's where I knew that like they didn't legally have a like stand on, but here's where I think they're going to go next. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. But again, like that was an hour. Mm-hmm. and this Wolfman interview had to have been across like three or four hours. Right. You know? 
Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you don't, you don't see that anymore. Yeah. You know, you don't get interviews that run that length anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, that's a shame. That's a mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not just to like nerds like me who love that sort of thing. I think you miss, I think you don't get something, you don't get deep enough with, with creators in terms of their heads at anymore. Well, I, and I think, I know that you and I have talked about this, but one of the things that was also great for that era was, um, I think a lot of it was comics were ephemeral, you know? And so, I mean, there's there's sort of the glorious era of the late 70s where it's like all these guys were like, yeah, I'm leaving comics, so let me tell you in this extended interview what a dick Jim Shooter is. Um, yes, let me, let me tell me what I really think. And right. you just don't get that either. Yeah. No, because, yeah, because it's that thing of, and everyone learned five, ten years later, they're all working with one another again. There's some some hurt feelings or whatever things that you have to pave over. And and so I think, A, they become more politic. But I also do think that, uh, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking in the back of my brain about those. And this is like, this shows you how far outside the game I am. But like the those just really bad, bad interviews that Fraction was giving after every issue of Fear Itself that just, you know, <laughs> kind of got way more defensive as they went on. But there was also kind of a little bit of that thing of like, everyone talks about this stuff like like the movie is always coming out. You know what I mean? It's not... Yeah, 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 it, yeah. Back, back in the 80s, it was like, well, this happened and it wasn't great and I think I feel like I really learned some stuff and it made me more excited about what I'm going to do next because there's no trade paperback to promote. There's no trade paperback yeah, that's yeah, going to yeah, stay yeah. in print for 20 years, right? So so it really, I feel... Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of... To interrupt you, but also very much illustrate your point, um, there's a great Andy Mangles piece about mm-hmm. gays and comics mm-hmm. um, where you have Steve Englehart talking about Estrano mm-hmm. from Millennium slash the New Guardians. Right. And seeing someone burn their bridges so decisively. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing mm-hmm. because he, first of all, makes, I think, a reasonable defense as to his portrayal of that character. Mm-hmm. But also specifically says I am not writing New Guardians because Andy Helford doesn't want gay people to be in comics. Right. Right. Like out like specifically names them. Yeah. And like I was given assurances by Dick Giordano and then I had to keep fighting Andy Helfer and Andy Helfer does not want this character to be in the comic and I just can't be bothered fighting anymore. Yeah. So I quit the book. Right. Right? To the point where like Helfer then has like a statement afterwards being like I like disagree with the scurrilous accusation wow. <laughs> because he, he like Engelhart completely unashamedly is like no this guy's a homophobe who thinks that gay people should not be in comics right right <laughs> again, which I mean again not the kind of shit that you like, really tend imagine. to hear yeah you know yeah so you know yeah, uh, yeah no it, it, that sort of thing's amazing uh, the other thing I was reading 
was you know my love of Brink, the 2080 series. Yes. I'd completely forgotten about another series from like almost ten years ago now that I loved, which was the Fuse. Do you remember the Fuse from Image? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, Anthony Johnston's detect- like yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, space station detective thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Space station detective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with Justin Greenwood on art. And so mm. I've been revisiting that because all of those are in Hoopla. Ooh, nice. All four of those are in Hoopla. Mm-hmm. And they are far more straightforward than Brink. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about Brink is that Brink steadfastly refuses to play by its own rules. Right. <laughs> like, it's like, no, it's a detective series on a space station. And it's like, uh, it's not. It's an existential, you know detective series about living in space and what that does to the human mind except it's not it's also you know it just keeps going like you think it's this right. it's not and like right. we'll fuck around with you and the views very much is like no it's a detective series on a space station right exactly we're just because and i say this is someone who thinks the brink is is easily one of the best comics you know of the last 10 years um fuse is also a comic that's like you know what's great the idea of a detective story on a space station Mm-hmm. that's enough mm-hmm. right <laughs> like we don't have to keep changing the formula because this formula is really good right and this right. formula is fun mm-hmm. um and i like like i said i really enjoyed it when it was coming out and i genuinely had forgotten about it mm-hmm. uh and so rediscovering it on hoopla just by accident mm-hmm. uh was kind of a gift because it is really good. It's a really, really fun detective series. Mm-hmm. It, there's four volumes on, on Hoopla. I think only ran four volumes. Um, and it's it's just, you know, Anthony Johnson is a wildly underrated writer. Yeah. I think. I, th- mm-hmm. I think he does genre really, really well. Mm-hmm. And and this very much plays to his strengths, right? It's, it's uh, I'm trying to think of a good way of describing it. Because I, I was going to say, like, it's BBC Sunday evening series detective mm-hmm. fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is such, such an abstract concept. I don't think it actually ex- explains anything to anyone. Um, it's character-driven political uh, detective fiction. Right. You know, yeah. and, and and it's very good at that. In, in, in the same way. He wrote um, The Coldest City, which was eventually filmed as Atomic Blonde. Right. Which certain type of film and the coldest city is a different type of graphic novel mm-hmm. uh, and for my money like a far better version of the story mm-hmm. but he i feel like he he manages to work around high concepts without never letting high concept take over the story oh yeah because he's he's also super super grounded in uh <coughs> research and world building like he really yeah, yeah. built out his worlds and and i remember that brink and what was his post-apocalyptic uh series that uh, wasteland. Ran. wasteland right which ran which i think might have been the longest of his various yeah wasteland series. was like 50 issues or something i think yeah i think it was only yeah that was a, that yeah, was an only book yeah mm-hmm. and so uh and i remember that was great it was like chris yeah. mitten i think i think that's right yeah um yeah wasteland I, was really good too yeah no yeah. He's, he's he's a wildly underrated writer yeah exactly um, and so I, I i've been very very much enjoying revisiting um, that stuff, which again, I genuinely forgotten existed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then was like, Oh, I remember that. I remember this being good. I should read it. And then like, you know, an issue and was like, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. This it's is fabulous. really good stuff. Well, that's, uh, uh, that's definitely better than 50 issues of spawn. I got to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> is it though? 
Is it? I, I mean, for me, certainly. Apparently, according to you, not for a room full of people at New York Comic Con, which, again. I, again, like, they, they, they were true believers. They were true believers in a way that I was almost surprised to discover exists. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I really was like, oh, wow. <laughs> right. You know, I'm so happy that, that this is your thing and also so surprised that you're real. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's very funny um yeah i get it though um it's very hard not to be like yeah yeah i mean because i feel like there's a lot of of how do i put it like maybe that's it part of it's also sort of old school like i feel i feel like i'm like yeah I, i'm used to seeing that sort of energy for squirrel girl or something you know what i yeah, mean yeah yeah like, yeah you know, and I think that's it. There's a lot of the more modern oh. cosplayer friendly type stuff, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to jump from that to another fandom moment of recently. Please do. Um, guess what I was doing last night. Mm, I'm not going to guess. I was, at, I was at a screening of Mission Hill, the, 1999 slash 2000 animated sitcom that ran on WB for three episodes before um, being brought up by Adult Swim in the early 2000s. Wow. Uh, the show's creators, one of them lives in Portland, the oh. show's creators were screening uh, three episodes and doing a Q&A session afterwards. Wow. At, at a local theater here. Holy and smokes. Let me tell you, Jeff, I've never seen the show before. Mm-hmm. Right? But Chloe loved it. Uh, and and so, the, like, we saw that they were doing this, and right. Chloe was like, I, I've got to go. Like, I've got to go. Because, also because it's it's out of print, and even the old DVDs that were released didn't have the original music. Because oh, wow. Warner Brothers just stripped the original music out because it was licensed. Nice. And they put, like, temp tracks in instead. Right. Um, and the whole thing about this is like it's restored, and it's the original music, right? So like, wow. you know, come and see this. Uh, and let me tell you, <laughs> the show's fun, mm-hmm. but being in a room full of people who love the show that much, yeah, getting to see it again with the show's creators was mm-hmm. genuinely something special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wackily. The neither of the creators had ever seen it with an audience before. That was the first time they'd ever seen it with an audience. Really? Wow. What a yeah. wild experience for them. That must right? Have been. Yeah. And again, this is from 1999 and 2000. And as they said, they'd been working on the show for like two years before it aired. Mm. And then it was cancelled after three episodes. Oof. Man. So, I mean, imagine that whole experience. Right. And then, like I said, so they, they made... 15 episodes no 14 episodes i think mm-hmm. um only three were ever aired and then adult swim basically got it as part of a, a job lot of cheap animation right and started running it and it became a hit on adult swim wow and apparently it just repeated like ad nauseum but they didn't even know that was happening ahead of time <laughs> they they talked about how like people were like yeah i saw your show and they're like yeah how like why <laughs> And they found out three like, episodes. From, yeah, they they, they found out from like friends that their show was airing again, and that the stuff that never got aired was being aired. They had no idea. 
That's so strange. So it's, yeah. But yeah, the, the, there was a, like, it, it was, and it was a small theater, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you were just, like, think of the theater in the, the hotel you were just staying in, right? Yeah. It was, like, half that size. Mm-hmm. Um, which is to say, like, for, for, for whatnot, it's like it was maybe, uh, like I mean, 120 seat. Theater? Yeah. Yeah. Theater. Something like, like that. It, it was small. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was filled with people who loved the show, like who loved the show to the point where at the end of the Q and A, they're like, we're going to have a trivia contest and we're going to give away some, like, you know, some, some things. Mm-hmm. And the trivia was obscure, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> the trivia was like, um, this one particular character is based on a character from one of our favorite TV shows. What was the name of the TV show? Wow. And people got it. Jesus. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they were fan fans. And uh, to be fair, like the trivia contest, I wanted to answer things because they were giving away like original animation cells. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but... It, it, there was something again, just really, as someone who's never seen the show before, and you know, thought the show was good, but I have no relationship to the show at all. Right. There was not like something really heartwarming about being in a room with people who loved it that much, getting to see it on a big screen, but also the show's creators getting to experience that fandom for the first time. Mm. You know, like there was applause when the first episode ended and you can see that they were taken aback. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because no, to wild. them, this was something they worked years on that failed. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's right? going to be so. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny. I, I mean, because I, I do. I sort of feel like um, animators being given the short end of the stick is really part of the 2022 zeitgeist. So, well, so like this was a Warner Brothers show, mm-hmm. and they were like they their Q and A was full of like could have been worse. We almost made a deal with HBO Max to do a new series. Ooh, right. <laughs> like a, just imagine what that would have been like. Like they were they were completely you know. Yeah. We we know what it's like out there today. Yeah. No kidding. Right. So. Yeah, it's, it was weird. Like the Q and A, they're also like we were the last hand drawn animated show on television. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and it's like it's you know the right the creators were two guys from The Simpsons, mm-hmm. hmm. you know, and so they had Simpsons jokes like they were there the Q and A had Simpsons stuff in it as well. Wow. Yeah, no, it was great. It was it was super super fun experience. But again, the fandom was great. Like, yeah. No, and maybe this is just I don't know. I'm getting old or something. I have no idea. There's something weirdly great about being surrounded by people who are fans of something that you don't you're not but also you don't uh front of a better way of putting it you don't care about enough to not be a fan either yeah right right you know so it's not like you're like well fuck you guys for liking this (laughs) just like you know i'm really glad you guys are into this i don't get it right you know and there is there's something great about seeing people just fucking love something yeah yeah I, i agree i agree and like you said like without having to have Without any of your own baggage to get in the way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That, Where you can just be like, I love, I love that you guys are into this. I love right. that you guys are into this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, there's, there's a genuine joy in seeing people just love something. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And yes. like completely embrace it, you know? Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, I, you know, I remember going to Star Wars Celebration, like, God, 2019, I guess it would have been now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I like Star Wars, but I don't love Star Wars in the same way that the fans who go to Celebration love Star Wars. Right. And so like, I have my own thing where I'm like, that's kind of cool. But I don't get why you guys are like into this or, you know, oh, you guys really like that thing? I don't like that thing. That's not my version of Star Wars. <laughs> I'd like, you know, it sort of gets in the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, totally. but when it's something you actually really don't have, you know, either knowledge of or, or care that much about, there mm-hmm. is something just great about seeing people go, oh, my God, and like really lose their shit about it. Yeah, yeah. And you're just it's... like, good for you. Right? You're right. Yeah. No, exactly. That's so funny. I, I feel for a variety of reasons, like we should have just been playing uh, LCD sound systems, losing my edge in the in, in the back of this last five minute conversation. You still could. You edit this one. You can oh, I know. I might. I might. I, I may have introduced that so that I could throw it in as the closer because, Graham, we're coming up on two hours. Uh, we are coming up on two hours. Oh, man. Jeff yeah. brought that yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, and that's the other thing. I'm like, oh, you've done such a, you like late. I don't even think you were doing it deliberately, but you've laid no, so wasn't. much groundwork. Really oh, shit. Uh, I'm a professional. <laughs> you are. You are indeed. Let me tell you, my friend. Um, hmm. Yeah. So I guess really at this point we should go into it, I guess. Yeah, right. sure. Okay. I will. Right. I will lead us in. Oh, thank you. Because uh, I can, I can feel your reticence. Jeff. I can feel your I, reticence. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, as whatnots who've been listening to this for a while know that, like Jeff comes out to Portland every now and again, and like we have, you know, what Jeff occasionally calls summits, <laughs> which <laughs> yes. makes it sound much more organized than we actually are. Yup. Yup. Um, where basically we talk about like what the fuck we're doing, right? And what the fuck we're going to do. Yeah. Right. Um, and this one, when Jeff was out last week, was very unlike the others, because, yeah. uh, should I just say it? I think so. Yeah, let's just... Uh, uh, like, uh, I guess a couple of months ago now? Because it was yeah. just after I was doing all the conventions, right? Right, yeah. Basically, uh, that, that three or four week gap that we had, that was... Yeah. That because was, you I, had like, shows and I had traveling yeah, like back, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. Um... Jeff and I started talking about ending the podcast. Yeah. And not in a, like, we'd fallen out way, and not in a, like, oh my God, we're exhausted way, but in a, like, maybe it's time. Like, it started, I I, I was going to say it's a joke, and I don't know how, how joking you were when you said it. Oh, that's But funny. it started, well, it started from you basically being like, isn't it really nice not to have to edit a podcast every week? <laughs> um and 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 like that's kind of where we're at like yeah jeff and i are are we've been doing this for i think it's 13 years now maybe 14 years yeah it's like it's a it's a really long time Mm -hmm. um and we've done it for literally hundreds of episodes yeah and i think both of us are ready to wrap it up Mm mm-hmm with absolutely no animosity, um, like to each other or like or you guys or anything, <laughs> I think I think we're no, but I I, I think that's important to say, right? Oh, agreed. Because I think when you I think when you first raised it, 
you raised it with a, I don't, you didn't know how I was going to react. Yeah. Right. And I think my reaction of, huh, that's not the worst idea in the world. Right. Was surprising to both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and so like, we really have been talking about this for like two months. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel that both you and I have been cautiously like feeling each other out about like, do we want to, do we actually want to? Right. Right. Exactly. Like, like how, how do we feel about this? How, how, Mm -hmm. like what, what does this actually feel like? Um, and I think both of us are at a point where, where it feels like, uh, it feels like something that we're both ready for. I will say this, and this is something that came up when you were in Portland. Mm-hmm. Both of us were also like, yeah, but like ending it doesn't mean ending it. <laughs> yes. Right. We were both like, yeah, we could end it. And then like every now and again, come back and do one. Yeah, exactly. Because it's still fun. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. we're also both at the – there's parts of this that are fun, which is honestly like the talking. Yeah. Like I I don't think anyone can listen to this and not understand that like you and I love talking to each other. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's it's like one of at least my favorite things to do and I, I you know. Oh, I'm, totally. I'm going to say that I think it's true for you as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, But there's things in the back end that are – I mean honestly not fun. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. I don't think either you or I particularly enjoy editing. Um, yeah, there's been stuff in terms of of like hosting, in terms of like show notes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a bunch of things really in the last like six months mm-hmm. that I think have made both of us be like, "Oh, wow, right? <laughs> oh right. boy, okay." And we have to do this as well, and felt. Um, not even difficult as much as like hassle in a way that it never did before mm-hmm. or something that it was just like, like we, we have talked both you and I have, have, after we recorded some episodes, basically apologized to the other one being like, yeah, you're editing this one. And we went on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, no, definitely. definitely. Um, and to, to put that in some context for, for the listeners, like we're, we're now at the two hour market recording. Yeah. Like realistically, this is going to take you basically all of tomorrow afternoon to edit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to take me somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five hours. Uh, in fact, I had gotten to the point where doing a two-hour podcast, where basically I could get well. I say that, and what I mean is, at, like at my fastest, I could edit, you know, uh, two minutes and three minutes. So I, at my super speediest, it would be. Three hours, I would be done with the show notes and the the editing, um, but then then I would then I would upload it. Then I'd upload the show notes. Then I'd have to yeah. change the time on the show notes. Then I'd mm-hmm. have to pull in the graphics. Then I'd have to cut and paste the link into the comments. Then I'd go to Patreon and let the patrons know that it was up. Then I'd go to the podcast, wait what Twitter site, and tweet the link and. And yeah, and it's just one thing, one thing to jump in is at at one point in Portland, Graham and I were, were hanging out and we might've even been at the waffle window and we were like, our lives are in a very different place than they were five years ago, you know, 10 years. Oh oh boy. Yes. (laughs) Like massively. So, and we, we, of course, because we were sort of on Graham's home turf, that was kind of 
my emphasis on it. But the but the fact. But the same true as you, of you, oh, Jeff. Oh, absolutely. Like, exactly. Just thinking about like, I, and and to be fair, like that was the same conversation where, you know, in addition to me being like, yeah, I mean, like I got divorced, like uh, all that. Like you also like changed jobs and like yeah, what house and like moved out of San Francisco and like yeah. you know things are drastically different for you as well. Uh, hugely, hugely so, and you know. When we started this, like 13 years ago, I worked three 10-hour days, and I had like four days off, and I don't even remember if I was still pulling shifts at Comics Experience. I think I you weren't. Stopped. You were not. You'd You're right. That's that. right. I'd stopped, and you guys went. But but yeah, you you, you you were quote unquote not working. I mean, you were. You were doing other yeah. things, but like you were quote unquote not working more than you were working. Yeah, and I mean, these days it's not impossible for you to be pulling like five 14 hour days a week yeah that sadly has indeed happened and so, you know uh, yeah and, and it, so like that's a very different thing especially yeah. if you then spend i mean honestly one of your two days off right like doing like editing the podcast and doing all that yeah like that's prepping, a, that's, talking that's, that's, and editing you know yeah yeah it just it no. adds up yep. um perfect. and so yeah like when you first mentioned it i i i think you almost expected me to be like, ah, no. <laughs> and, and, it, and I didn't. And I was like, yeah. huh, okay. <laughs> well, like, yeah, no, you, one of the things I appreciated, well, part of, part of, part of what was going on with me there is I remember um, there were times where things were just way too difficult. And it may have been around the time that I, probably around the time that I took on the supervisor job, but a few other points and places where I remember saying to you kind of like, I'm sort of like, I'm not enjoying this. And you were kind of like, Oh, well, if, if you're not digging it, then we should stop. And um, I think you have a tendency to sort of frame things that way a little bit, Graham, which is understandable would, you know, cause I think you're, you are, um, more of a stoic so you you have a lot of like well no no i mean i'm fine i can do anything but i can understand if it's really burning you out we definitely shouldn't do it so my initial concern was that in bringing it up i would never actually find out whether or not you wanted to keep doing it but felt that it was more important for me that we stop doing it or if if i was going to kind of get your take on it and it was really nice because I brought it up. And so that was part of the, in a way, my reticence. And you being like, yeah, you know, it makes sense. It does make sense. It would be because in part, we really did have that thing of we had had several weeks off with a very full plate, but it was three weeks off with a very full plate and no podcast. And that that gave us a little more room to breathe. And it felt like we yeah. were both kind of aware of that. And also we were still able to sort of talk and keep in touch. Yeah. That, that, I th and I think that's also, yeah, that was also important to us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I think that was important to us. That, like it was also three weeks where we'd still been able to talk. It wasn't like yeah. three weeks where we hadn't communicated at all. Exactly. Um, but the other thing that I think was, I feel like I'm over explaining so the one I don't think that like we're just like fuck you guys but I think that it's it's important to say like I feel like you and me literally 
dance around making a decision about this for a while. Because oh, I remember yeah. when you first you first raised it, we were both like, let's talk about this next week when we've had a chance to think about it. Yep. yep. And then when we did talk about it next week, it was like, okay, what do you think? Mm-hmm. I think this. I think this. Hmm, maybe we should revisit next week. And we did. We kept not yeah. kicking it down the can as much as kept checking in and like, okay, you've had more time to think about it. How do you feel? Right. To right. each other. Yeah. You know? Um, and I, I, maybe it's just me. I feel that both of us were sort of waiting for the other one to be like, no, I've changed my mind. <laughs> and then, yes. Right. And, and yeah. then when we hadn't. Right. After like a month, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it was when we were both like, okay, so it's the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I will, cause I definitely found myself um, vacillating a lot between like, yeah, yeah, this feels right. And then having moments of panic, you know, and, and being like, oh God. And so I think in a way, if you were kind of like, yeah, but, well, no, I think I'm really, no, we could probably, maybe what if we went down to, you know, two weeks out mm-hmm. of the month and had two skip weeks and it would be like, oh yeah, 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 I can see that. You know, like I could well have caved and tumbled because I, I think there is a, you know, this, this podcast really has given me so much. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. our, our conversations with, with one another have been like, yeah, absolutely a cornerstone of my life for these 13 mm-hmm. years. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. You know, but also like, also through, it sounds sentimental, but like the relationship with the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like you, yeah. you and I don't take that lightly. We sound like we do sometimes because we're yeah. dicks, <laughs> but, but we like, we really genuinely don't. And yeah. one of the things that I think, um, I think that was one of the things that made us not made made us take a month or so before we were actually okay with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the like, oh no, what do we like? What if everyone hates us for deciding to to stop? <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, because it is like it. It does. Uh, you know, we thank people at the end of every episode, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we mean it. Yeah. Well, it actually does mean a lot to, I'm going to speak for you, Jeff. It means a lot to us. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that people, that like, you guys are listening and have been listening for all this time, no matter how long all this time is. Right. You know? One of the things that, uh, sorry, to, to you, my, my Marv Wolfman moment uh, is, is that, one of the great profound regrets for me is I, is I never was able to really quite live up to everything that we promised on the Patreon. Like I just, I was the guy who was like, I'm mailing this stuff out. I'm doing all these things. And I was good for the first couple of months. And then things were uh, Patreon. It took forever for the fucking system, but there was just a whole bunch of stuff where it was like, clearly I'm not the best guy to be in charge of this. And it, and it broke my heart because I really was always worried that it, that the people who contributed to the Patreon would think, might think that we were taking them for granted. And the, the people on it, I mean, all of our listeners, I think are fantastic and we really do thank them every month. But one of the things that I'm always overwhelmed with is 
the people on Patreon are so great because because I'm frequently like, hey, I never mailed you the 300 stickers or like, hey, we're supposed to, you know, thank everyone at the end of every episode who contributed at this level. And and really uniformly, everyone to a person was like, I, I really don't care about that. I just wanted to give you guys something back because you gave me hundreds of hours of enjoyment for free. You know that like the last episode, we're going to have to name everyone, right? Oh shit! You're right. We really are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, exactly. to jump somewhat sideways, um, we're going to wrap things up at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, we like. I think we've known since the start of October. I think that that's like, right. we were going to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, and honestly, we didn't know when we were going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I, I to the point where like we were like getting anxious. <laughs> About yeah, tell you. yeah uh, exactly. We were originally going to tell you two weeks from now, and I don't yeah. even know how I would have been able to handle that. So, um, but part part of the part of the Portland trip was actually us talking about like you know when do we break the news, right? Um, and also what do we do afterwards? Which sounds like vague, but it actually was in practical terms. Is in like, do we keep the hosting up? Do we keep the episodes up? When right. the podcast is done. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, and so the short version is yes, we're keeping up for at least a year. Yeah. Uh, maybe more. We'll see. But we're keeping up for, for a while after we stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both reserve the right to come back unexpectedly and without telling. <laughs> <laughs> because that abuses both of us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this feels right. It mm-hmm. feels weird as shit. Yeah, I've got to tell you. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I, I think it's right. I, th- I think it's. I think we're we're at a point where you know Jeff deserves to have his Sundays back. <laughs> I, I deserve to have my Sundays back when it's the draw weeks. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 I, and uh, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. And so the next couple of months are going to be weird. They really are, because I got to tell you, like, I'm like, basically, we're letting you guys know with what? Uh, two weeks ago, uh, two months ago. Yeah, two months to go, or basically five episodes left. One, I think two of which are supposed to be Drox. Um, well, yeah, it's, so in theory, we're doing a Drox next week. Right, and then we're doing a regular wait what the week after that, and then yeah. we're taking Thanksgiving weekend off, and then we're doing three in in November, in December. Right. Um, I mean, I think that's I think that's what we're doing. Like, what, I, I, absolutely. I doing. But that, like, we've got doing. to do the musical episode where we each. We're sing. not doing. Uh, this is <laughs> this is not the first time Jeff has mentioned the musical episodes. This was also under discussion in Portland. This is I really true. do. I really do. Jeff okay. genuinely wants to do a musical episode, everyone. I do. Absolutely. He really, really does. I want to do a karaoke episode. And separately, I would actually love to do an episode where I'm high as balls. Um, and I would... swear to God, I would have thought we'd done that episode already. I think we already have, but, like, I wanted to do one intentionally. Like, because I... Because <laughs> oh I, I, I... I love that. <laughs> we, have def- we have legitimately done episodes where you have unintentionally been high as balls because we have we have had post recording conversations where you have like very sheepishly admitted 
Yeah. Yeah. Where <laughs> it was revenge. like, yeah, yeah, I was a No, mess. no, that, that yeah. definitely happens. That's definitely happened. Exactly. Um, so no, it's so so yeah so so short. Oh, also I should tell uh, Jeff and the listeners. Chloe has basically threatened me with death if uh, if there's not another Chloe appearance in this podcast. For oh, agreed. Right, exactly. Chloe's um, Chloe's got David, David yeah. Wilkin. David Wilkin texted us saying, "Make Chloe the permanent co-host, you cowards." Yes. Um, sorry, there's not going to be a permanent co-host because we're not going to be a podcast in two months. Yeah. I know, right? Um, but you are yeah. you are going to get at least one more Chloe appearance for the end. You can um, sort of pretend like she's the permanent co-host for, you know, for that episode. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so like, no joke. Jeff and I have been really anxious about this. Yeah. Like we literally talked before we recorded, going, "Do we tell everyone at the start? Do we tell everyone at the end?" Honestly, I feel so anxious right now. I'm so glad we waited until the end. Yeah. The idea of yeah. Like doing this and then talking about other things. Would no. have been impossible. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I'm really glad that we we did save it for the end of the episode. But oh, there's another thing, Graham. I wanted. I wanted. I was also hoping that we could do like a mini episode of Hello Newman, which would be the uh, our alternate reality Randy Newman uh, podcast where we talked <laughs> about like talked about Randy Newman, like pretend like we had had a podcast going on where we talked about all of his albums one by one or something like that um so that's so that's such a bizarre idea well we both like randy newman i really remember being like shocked by how deep your knowledge of the newman oh i know i i i love randy newman but also i know right that's that's genuinely unexpected um what else can i say uh congratulations to house astonish you have outlived us yeah, although um, they took a break for a bit, so I don't yeah, know. But still, if they're going to keep going, I think they... That think is true, yeah. Officially pass the mantle. Unless something happens to them in two months. Oh, would that be terrible? Actually, I love the idea that Chloe becomes permanent co-host over there on House Station. Of House Astonish? That would, that be, would be amazing. Yeah, that, uh, that I think would, Chloe awesome. would, would I think Chloe would terrify them both. <laughs> with, with, with good reason. Indeed. Indeed. Um, no, I, I'm, uh, I am. It's bittersweet. Like it's legitimately bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, you know, because part of me is like, I, like you and I are still going to be talking every week. <laughs> yes. Which is wonderful, um, but yeah. But it's it is weird to not to the idea of not doing this every week. Mm-hmm. But also, it sounds terrible. I think the idea that both of us like even considered it before we made the decision was a sign that it's the right thing to do. I think so as well. I think so as well. You know, so, yeah. But like night, like one of us didn't just go, no, because here's the other thing. And, and it's worth sort of talking about now. We kind of had this conversation a few years ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and decided against it. Yeah. And like, and it was a very different conversation this time. It really was. And, and, and mm-hmm. this, this reason for the conversation a few years ago was basically the same one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of we love talking to each other, but it's the stuff behind the scenes that yeah. um, was, was that around the time you did get the different job? I think it might that have been. Would that have been what it was? I think Because so. I couldn't remember what started it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's um, yeah, like we we legitimately are both in very different places in our lives. Uh, it, you know, especially from when we started, but mm-hmm. you know, even just realistically in the last like five years, yeah. Um, 
and it feels right, even though both of us feel kind of like shits for it. Yeah, I got to tell That's you. one thing. I think you and me both are of this, the same mindset of feeling guilty. <laughs> it's yes there it's true i think there's a little more um slightly existential fear mixed in for it for me um which i think is good uh but like you know because i do think that one of the ways in which things went i mean i don't have currently any other real outlet for this other than like twitter which is also more or less going away (laughs) before our very eyes probably before the end of the year but um you know and so there's a little bit of the oh god what happens to me when you know i don't have people to who are listening to me and i get that weird dopamine rush of of secondhand validation you know where someone's like oh my god you totally made me laugh until i cried about chewbacca you know uh, and that and that and that that's that stuff really does um that stuff means you know whereas like you kind of you're you know you write you are yeah, 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 one yeah, of yeah, the yeah, preeminent yeah. comics writers writers oh, about sh- comics shut. sorry i know it was not that yeah was i not know to be well received but you know and so and so there's kind of a th- you have enough of an audience that you had to professionally train yourself to not pay attention to your audience i guess and i i never have really had that and so it's been um it's going to be weird when that goes away but the flip side of that is you know and so i have pangs on top of the guilt also just the flat out fear of like oh shit like you know, I'm going to go down to like six followers and they're all going to be bots. But, but I think the flip side of it is, is that one of the jokes that I, that I made when we came back after that three or four weeks was I was like, I got to tell you, it was such a relief have like not having to have to have an opinion for like three weeks straight. It was terrific. And I kind of, well, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, and, I was going to say yeah. we, we had a conver- like we had a conversation about um, are we going to read differently, right? Exactly. If we're not doing podcasts every week, yeah. And like I think we both are. Yeah, definitely. I would like to think that you would not read fifty issues of Spawn in a week, right? I, <laughs> Who's oof. to say though? Let's be perfectly honest. Right. That that could um, absolutely go the the opposite side. But yeah, no, exactly, exactly. What I we're saying is Jeff's going to start an OnlyFans account. <laughs> that'd be right but is it going to be one of those sexy only fans or is it going to be the weird new realm of only fans that it's supposedly for who are you telling can you tell me about that can you mention that on air you were saying some somebody was starting to know oh the markiplier fans? yeah markiplier the, the the youtube guy oh right right yeah, yeah the, exactly the youtube gamer yeah. which for people who are wondering what we're talking about uh, markiplier is a U- uh, video game youtuber who the 10-year-old really likes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was telling Jeff, like, we have to basically... Because he is starting an OnlyFans. And I was telling Jeff that we had to basically steer the 10-year-old away from the videos where he's talking about that. Yeah. Because we didn't want to explain what OnlyFans was. Oh, my God. I, t- I still think that that's so goddamn delightful. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Lord. 
Our fucking lives, Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's expect the next couple of weeks to be a uh, couple of weeks, couple of months to be on the one hand like us doing what we normally do, right? Uh, and also like I especially think the last couple in December, yeah, we are going to be like weirdly like self aware. Yeah. I think I'm just going to be a mess. I can tell I'm already going to be a mess. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I think we are. Um, yeah. Well, people who are wondering what this actually means, the next week we are doing a drug, and it is we've actually caught up with the last published edition of the case files, Ooh. which is volume 40. Do you want to mention the weirdness of being in Portland and going to the comic store and seeing the oh, and actually seeing case files forty? Yeah, on the shelf everywhere. Yeah, that was really wild. That was weird. Um. Uh. But also, I've just remembered you took photographs with the the dread cutout. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, that should be in the show notes for this. Um. We are probably going to be doing a drug next week as well, Uh, Mm and next month as well, rather I should say. Um, and it will be something published more recently of Dread. Yeah. But it probably is going to be like a look back at doing all the drugs, to be honest with you. That would make sense. That would make sense, yeah. I definitely um, know something I want to do for the last episode anyway. So, but yeah. Uh, we are doing a regular rate bot the week after that. So two weeks from now, we're doing a regular rate bot, yep. which is the last one before Thanksgiving, yep. which at one point was going to be the one where we told you. Yes. And then uh, Smarter Heads, which is to say Jeff, prevailed. <laughs> um, and then December's going to roll around. And like I said, we're probably going to be really self-aware. Yeah. Um, one of the things, and I'm springing this on Jeff right now, mm. having not discussed it with him. Uh, I'd like to do a Q&A episode before we're done. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I thought I'd mentioned that. Forever. Absolutely. We, no, 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 for sure. In fact, one of the things that's scary is, is, there, there have been times, well, the last few had been sort of kind of, um, we, at our heyday, it was like, a, okay, we're going to have to break this into two full episodes. But yeah, definitely. If you people, uh, you people, uh, listeners, you, you people, you people, um, yeah, we're going to have, we're going to have like a big Q and a blowout. Definitely. It seems, it seems to me, I wonder, hmm, I wonder if we should, I wonder if we should see, this is where I'm really unfair. We should combine it with the episode that Chloe's on so people can ask Chloe questions, but I'm not. Oh, God. Right? <laughs> yeah. oh I don't God. think that, but that's not, that's, that's a cheat on the social contract. She didn't sign up for that, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't we, and again, I'm throwing this out on Jeff, uh, why don't we do the Nets Way What as a Q&A episode? And then oh. if there's any spillover, we can do them in the following episode, and that way we're doing it both sides of Thanksgiving. Okay. That sounds great. So, yeah, people, uh, consider this a call for questions right now we will uh just shoot shoot the questions to either wait what podcast at gmail.com or you can ask us on the twitter uh wait what podcast or um and we will do that on the episode that we record the 19th and post on the 20th of november so gives you a couple of weeks and we'll try and remember graham you're usually really good at calling for questions on the twitter so hopefully you will you'll do that um, yeah that's but... me i'll i'll do that sure okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> way to oh, inspire but... confidence graham well done yeah, I'm <laughs> you, on top of game here. um 
yeah okay i th- i think we've we've talked around this enough and also we're coming up on two and a half hours which is making it like a long episode for you to edit for oh, i know jesus so, god said, i will very quickly say there's going to be show notes for this episode up at wait what podcast.com we have a twitter account that you should add with um questions at wait what podcast jeff is at lazy bastard at l-a-z-y-b-a-s-t-i-d and i'm at graham m at g-r-a-e-m-e-m and we're a patreon supporter podcast for another month and a bit jeff tell the people what they are uh, still <laughs> what they've won yeah right uh listeners you guys you really are like i i'm sure that i'll talk about this a little bit more in the the weeks to come but but i am so grateful for everyone that i had the chance to meet and talk to and joke with and in some cases god bless like discover parts of uh new york or japan or Buenos Aires that I never would have otherwise uh, without you guys. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that. Uh, and the people on Patreon throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh. And like I said, just endless amounts of generosity um, emotionally as well. Um, and that has been fab. In fact, I need to dig up, but people people on the Patreon, keep keep your ears to the ground i have it those who may remember uh for a very brief period i was doing the 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 patreon comic book club where i was uploading public domain comics for people to grab and i think i only did a cultivated list but i've got a whole bunch of public domain comics that i think i will probably just put in a dropbox folder and shoot the link so that people can grab those before before things get wrapped um but you guys are awesome. As always, we're incredibly grateful to the generosity and oversight of Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for continued support of this podcast. Uh, and uh, hopefully the, the galactic cosmos, she will continue to be uh, turn her watchful eye toward even after even after we are mere stardust. Graham? I was just going to be really dark and be like, we're mere stardust in like two months, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. We're, we as individuals are going to hopefully live for like decades more. I, I hope so. But woof, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's what's happening with the podcast in the next couple of months. Uh, and I, you know, I think Jeff and I are both going to like cry after we finish recording this. And uh, I am also going to remind you that we really are probably just going to unexpectedly show back up in your feed one of these days. That's true. Which is something both of us have talked about as something that amuses both of us far too much. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll, so you we'll seems like you can count on it. But, oh, but next week is a drop. So break out next the week's a drop, yeah. Case Files Volume 40 and join us. Um, wow, that is Okay. Um, <laughs> like, both of us are just freaked out. Yeah, totally. Anyway, we're going to be back in a week for a drop and then two weeks for, I guess, a Q&A episode. Uh, in the meantime, be good to yourselves, everyone. <laughs>